0: in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jolte Report, Tyler Jolte, with you so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Fox Sports broadcaster Tim Brando, as we will talk with Timmy B about conference realignment, USC and UCLA's move to the Big Ten, what that means for Notre Dame's future, if they're going to move to the Big Ten, also the current Big 12 members, whether the league will expand or if they'll find new homes. We'll dive into all of that with Tim Brando when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we have Coach Post Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with the latest on the Baker Mayfield-to-Carolina situation, as well as Bo's thoughts on conference realignment. Also, we will have our uh, draft segment. This week, we are going to draft items at gas stations. It'll be interesting. I can guarantee you that. We'll end our show with our Tom Polarist story of the week. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. He is back. And, Tom, here we are. It is the middle of July, and the news cycle has not stopped. I mean, one moment, Kevin Durant's demanding a trade from the Nets. We have uh, this whole USC-UCLA thing. Baker Mayfield's in Carolina. Just what a week it's been. Uh, I have to stop for a second, kind of just go over everything. Did I miss anything here? No,
1: I mean just you know with everything going on. I mean summer leagues picking up, and I know you Thunder fans are trying to keep up with Chet Holmgren. Looks like he's going off. You know it's for for all things Oklahoma. Even it's it's popping off with the Thunder, and then you talk about the Gooner fans having a trade to the from the Browns to the Panthers. We got to get a couple people new jerseys uh, to wear on Sundays now instead of the old Browns jersey uh you know it's 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 been a, a a hectic time i mean you know even the big 12 talks of them poaching on the pack 12 i mean it's it's been a pretty steady crazy week and i know that that's your og job is to cover it and i'm sitting here
0: on the twitter sideline just like oh my gosh what's going to happen next today is wednesday when we're recording this show will obviously be out on thursday and here we are, middle of the week, and I've already convinced myself, Tom, that Baker Mayfield's going to be comeback player of the year with the Panthers, and Chet Holmgren's going to win rookie of the year of the NBA, and who knows what I'll come up with by the end of the week? At this point,
1: right? You might have a, uh, you know, all your hot takes might already come true. You might have to redo your chat sports hot takes or your bold predictions,
0: right? One of my bold predictions was that Baker was going to end up with the Panthers, and that worked out. So,
1: to put some money down.
0: Yeah, with that, with Baker in Carolina now, and we'll talk about it more with Bo. But that took a while. That took a long time before a deal finally get done. He is relieved from dealing with the Browns and their shenanigans. I mean, for Baker Mayfield, granted. The Panthers are a bit of a a mess in their own right in the fact that you got Matt Rule, who's on the hot seat. Ben McAdoo, I don't think is that great of an O.C. Wide receiver talent's not great. Um, Even with all that, doesn't it still kind of feel like a victory of some sorts for Baker, just the fact that he got out of Cleveland right now?
1: Oh, you know, he's happy. I mean, he could have went to – to be honest with you, I don't know. I, I don't know, and this is biased to me. I don't know if there's a worse place in the NFL besides maybe Detroit than the, than the city of Cleveland.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean,
2: Cleveland it's, not great.
1: You know, he didn't go to Detroit. I guess maybe they would have sent him to Jacksonville. Then that would have been a whole new storyline with Trevor Lawrence. But, uh, you know, I think this will be a fine spot for, for Baker Mayfield. I think, I think especially week, week one is going to be nuts. You have Baker Mayfield versus the Browns, and then Russell Wilson takes on his old team.
0: Yeah. I wish that Panthers-Browns game was in Cleveland, though.
1: Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? I, well, I still feel like a lot of the Browns fans that I've seen on Twitter are <laughs> supportive of Baker and, and pissed off at the Browns uh, GMs and execs on how they ran Baker out or how they did him wrong. I think they did him wrong. I'm not even a Baker fan.
0: I don't know how, if you're a Browns fan, you could hate on Baker. He got you your first playoff win since 94. He ended the winless streak. Sure, things maybe didn't go all the way that they expected, but, I mean, you still
1: got more than what
0: you paid for. He played injured like
1: all last year, so what do you expect? You know, and now with all the Deshaun stuff, they, he might not even play. And I don't even know who their – I don't know who their other quarterback option is. Jacoby Brissett is that option. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. So, it's uh, – the Browns are about to go back in their hole. It's, they're kind of like the locuses of the, of the NFL. You know, the locuses bury underground for like 13 years before they're – they come up and then they last for a summer and then they're back in the ground. You know, the next generation. That's so, the Browns.
0: Here's something to think about, too, you know, as far as how this story has unfolded. Um, what if I would have told you in January, Deshaun Watson is going to end up in Cleveland, but he's likely going to be suspended the entire season, and they're going to give him $250 million fully guaranteed. Baker Mayfield's going to end up in Carolina, and Jacoby Brissett is going to be the Browns' starting quarterback this year. If I would have told you all those things, you would have thought, like, I belonged in some hospital of some sort. like, the way that the Browns have screwed all this up and ended up in this position is just so comical.
1: Yeah, that or I would have had to tell you that, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson strong arm of the Cleveland Browns because, you know, if he doesn't play all year, he's still getting all that money. I forget how much is guaranteed, but it's more than I'll ever make in my life
0: right? Yeah, just nuts how uh, that ultimately has played out uh, for Baker Mayfield ultimately ended up with the Panthers. Wish him the best of luck. We will see what happens there on on that front. But in regards to USC and UCLA and this move to the Big Ten, that's where I want to start with today's show. And we'll get to to Tim Brando, the expert, more on this later. But I got to tell you, I was shocked at the timing of it. Um, We have talked on this program for a long time about the idea of USC going to the Big Ten, but I was not expecting that last Thursday we'd find out that news, and then it'd be done by the end of the day Thursday that they were going, and that they were bringing UCLA with them. And as big of a deal that Texas-Oklahoma to the SEC move was, I mean, at least it made sense geographically. Oklahoma had neighbors. Texas had a team, a rival within their own state. They were pairing with old rivals. All that just made sense. You know, it wasn't too far-fetched of them joining the SEC. The fact that USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten like this, where their closest opponent is, what, Nebraska, 1,500 miles away? I mean, geography is just dead in this sport. And, and I'm not blaming them one bit at all. Don't don't get me wrong. I understand why they're doing it, and it makes sense financially. That's that's money they can't refuse. But just to see how this is unfolded, like it has, I'm I'm still I'm caught off guard in that sense of of how this all went down and as quickly as it did. Tom, I mean, Lincoln Riley, they said, didn't find out till after the fact, uh, till the news broke that. This was kept so quiet. It amazes me something this big, even with the OU Texas stuff, we didn't find out until it was already a done deal pretty much. No one had any idea this was going on. It, it, it goes back to also this other talk about the other realignment rumors, the speculation, we'll dive into all that too about the Big 12 and with Notre Dame, but how much do we really know what's going on even in that if we had no idea what was going on with this USC and UCLA deal, like I feel like I just need to step back and watch it all unfold because I have no idea how this all finishes out when it's all said and done.
1: I mean, no one, you know, can really tell right now, right? If we didn't know or had any inclination that this was going to happen, you know, what else is going on right now that we don't know about? Right. I mean, what other under-the-table deals are going on, you know, just across – just really across the, across the nation. And, you know, with the move of USC and UCLA going to play in the Big Ten, you know, and like you said, geography is now at the window. Uh, you know, what's going to happen next? What team is going to have to travel across country? The next thing you know, West Virginia is going to lead the Big 12 for the Pac-12.
0: Right. And the state of mind, too, is interesting in all this. If you're a Big Ten or SEC school right now, you're just sitting back and you're saying to yourself, okay, we might have some more members get added, whatever. Sure. But your future's set. Your future is secure. Uh, It's already in place. You know exactly what's going to happen, what's going to go down. Um, You are set. If you are not in the Big Ten or the SEC right Pac-12 school, ACC school, Big 12 school. doesn't matter how big your brand or cachet is, whether you're a Florida State or you're Oregon or whatever it may be, you're still sitting here with uncertainty. I mean, everyone's goal right now is get into these two conferences. Get into the Big Ten. Get into the SEC. And look, I'm a fan of the Big 12. I hope this conference survives. I hope they expand and They become this number three conference, but you're lying to yourself. If you don't think that there is going to be a gap, it it is even if the sec and big 10 don't split up from everybody else. And if everybody stays within their own division and all that, it is still going to be the haves and the have nots. If you're not in one of those two conferences, Ooh, I don't know what to tell you. It's, It's going to be painful. And, and what we're going to see too, is a trickle down effect. You may be saying to yourself, well, they're going to dominate football. Well, if those schools are getting $50 million more than everyone else, that money is going to trickle down. That means their basketball facilities are going to be better. That means they're going to be able to hire better track coaches and golf coaches and everything else. It all goes down from there. So, I mean, if, if you're an AD, you're a president, whatever it may be. You are on the phone with the Big 10 and the SEC right now doing whatever it takes to get in one of those two leagues because it's them and then everyone else is after that. There is a big gap like we've never seen before.
1: Yeah, the money is a big deal too. You mentioned just, you know, you mentioned coaching and facilities, things like that. How about NIL money? You know, for all these players. You got more money to offer than anybody else? You know, as a player, why would you go anywhere else?
0: Right? Yeah. It it, it is nuts. And in USC and UCLA's case, um, it'll be kind of weird at first them not playing these California schools. But when you when you think of it as a as a viewer, as a fan, I think at the end of the day, this is a good thing that we win from all this, Tom, because just just looking at perspective, none of, we're not USC or UCLA fans by any, means. but Tom, if I asked you on a typical college football Saturday, would you watch USC versus, would you rather watch USC versus Ohio state and Penn state and Michigan or Stanford, Oregon state and Washington state? I mean, if you got better competition and better games, that's a win. I mean, it is better for the consumer, better for the viewer, better for the players. More people are watching and paying attention here. Um, college football ha- has gone through uh, some some hard times the last couple of years, in all honesty. Ratings haven't been what they once were. The playoff has lost its luster. Um, there are some casualties in this, sure, but in all reality, this might be the spark that this sport needed was these type of changes. It's going to hurt some folks, but the sport needed something, Tom.
1: Yeah, even just the the drama of it. You know, as as much as I don't like the drama of who's going where and then uncertainty, just the storylines from that, you know, and, and it started with Obviously, like OU Texas and then even just the Lincoln Riley fiasco and Norman and then going to USC and then kind of the explosion of NIL deals. I mean, it's it's kind of brought almost like an NBA storyline aspect to college football. But instead of player free agency, which we see some of that with with the portal transfer portal. We're seeing it, you know. Instead of player free agency to which, which teams, we're seeing which teams to which conferences in the uh, in 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 the state of college football. I mean, I think what the NBA does so well is it makes these storylines. You know, it's almost like a. Some days it feels like a reality TV show. To be honest with you, the NBA and. That's what it's starting to feel like in college football where you don't know what's going to happen and you're always on the edge of your seat waiting for the next bomb to drop.
0: Right. Yeah. And now we wait on Notre Dame. And, man, I got to tell you, it amazes me how much power this school has in their hands. Because here's what I'm looking at, Tom. If Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten, or even the SEC for that matter. Then you could make a case, at least it's a bargaining chip anyway, for the Big Ten of the SEC to get everything they want. They can threaten to do their own playoffs, and if they don't, uh, if you don't give them what they want, then they leave and you know, start their own playoff. Uh, otherwise, they stay and they get the playoff as they see fit in their format, how they see all the control. That's the other thing. You know, relationships are all about control, right? You know, the husband and the wife that wants to control how, how things are run and the marriage and all that. The Big Ten of the SEC are essentially married to each other, right? And now the rest of college football is basically in a position where They have to do what mommy and dad say, the SEC and the Big 12, or mom and dad are kicking them out of the house, essentially. Everyone else is the redheaded stepchild at this point. They are calling the shots. They're going to see how it goes if they get Notre Dame because then they can justify and say, hey, we have all the biggest name brands. This is our sport. We can call the shots. If they don't get Notre Dame, if Notre Dame stays independent or goes to the ACC or whatever it may be, then you can't split off because you can't justify saying we're going to crown the national champion without having all of the best teams. Get Notre Dame in there, and then that changes things. So for me, that's what I look at. The next big domino to fall, the OU and Texas thing was big. USC and UCLA was big. Notre Dame's move. Is going to be the most meaningful of them all—the decision they make one way or the other—which I think we're going to find out sooner than later.
1: If you could, if you had to guess, who do you think they, where do you think they go?
0: I think they end up in the Big Ten, and Agreed. I think they take Stanford with them. I think then Notre Dame has all their rivals in one place. Then you get Purdue, SC, Michigan, Michigan State, and Stanford—all in the same conference. And you still get to play Ohio State and Penn State and others. And the Big Ten could tell their members, hey, look, Notre Dame didn't accept our invite. Don't schedule Notre Dame anymore. We're paying you hundreds of millions of dollars. They rejected us. You can't play Notre Dame. I mean, they get Notre Dame in, it's uh, – College football belongs to the Big Ten of the SEC at that point, if it didn't already. I think they end up in the Big Ten. It makes sense. And the money standpoint, Tom, just to put this in perspective for the folks at home, uh, Notre Dame makes $15 million a year in their TV contract with NBC, which only plays, pays them for home games. The Big Ten is about to give out $100 million for all of their members just for football. I mean – just from a financial standpoint, I know it's been fun. It's been cute for Notre Dame to be an independent for all this time, but you can't say no to that money. I mean, at some point you owe it to your alumni, your board of regents, everyone else. You can't turn that down. Eventually you have to go.
1: Oh yeah. With that money, is that lucrative? Yeah. You'd be stupid not to, you know, it's, I know they've probably had their fun as an independent, and we don't answer to anybody, and all that. But when that money's on the table, you got to do what you got to do. <clears throat> um, so, Jones, what do you, what do you think happens now? Then, if it, if let's say, let's say in a month from right now, Notre Dame decides to join the Big Ten in three years' time, are we just going to be two super conferences in the in college football? Is that what is that what it's going to be? maybe 24 teams a conference or you think the teams think, that don't are going to be screwed?
0: So I think that the SEC and the big 10 are going to be at least 20 teams each. Um, and I think that the other conferences are going to try to hold on as long as possible to still be in the same system as the big 10 of the SEC. But even if they're in the same system, the system's going to cater to the big 10 and the SEC as much as possible. Here is my crystal ball prediction, Tom, of how this ultimately all plays out. The Big Ten gets, in addition to what all they have, 16 members. They add Notre Dame, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington. That puts them at 20. I think the SEC goes with Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. I think they go with UNC over Virginia, personally but that's how I see ultimately how this all ends up playing out as of right now, those would be my teams. And then after that, if they go to 24, then it's anyone's guess what happens at that point. Um, You know, Virginia would be an option for the ACC after that, or for the SEC after that. Then I think you're starting to talk about, Uh, maybe the Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona state, maybe Oklahoma state finally gets into discussion here. I mean, the thing that I hate from a big 12 standpoint is that none of these big 12 members right now, as things stand are first, second, third, or even fourth in line for the sec or the big 10, if they're going to either one of those conferences, it's a long time from now before they make that move. Um, It's a while. And so the best bet for OSU, for KU, for all these schools, hunker down, hang tight, stay together, trust your new commissioner, and go get the best of the Pac-12. Try to get the best of the ACC if you can, whatever, and be aggressive. Be what the Big 12 has never been before. And all the reports we've heard show the Big 12 plans to be the aggressor, and that's what you love to hear.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it too. Um, sounds like it sounds like they're going to be somewhat headhunting. What's well, it's Brett Yormack, what he did some time in New York. Um, Rock Nation, which, yeah. Right, with the Nets too, Barclays Center. Sounds like they got a, you know, a, you know, for lack of a better term, a, a dick swinger, you know. He's going to get in there and and get her done maybe, I hope. Um, for you know, because I I feel like we share the same sentiment. Would we won't want the Big Twelve to split up or become no more? Um, especially as much hate as we put on the SEC. If we, you know, you can't beat them, join them, and it, it's looking like eventually that may happen.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's something else uh, of what we are seeing unfold, and you know, the Big Twelve, ACC, Pac Twelve. It's so wild that we've gotten to this point, Tom, where the Big Twelve is actually in the driver's seat. We're in the—they're in the best position. This conference was left for dead a year ago, right? We had talked about was this league going to end? Was it going to fold? And now, this conference is in the best position of the three to succeed. The ACC is in a terrible TV contract. The Pac Twelve just lost two of its biggest members. And there's no hope in the Pac-12. Everybody's trying to find a life preserver of some sorts. Um, What I think, realistically, I think Oregon and Washington do end up in the Big Ten. But if you add Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State, make that a 16-team league, and you got games coast-to-coast, there's value in that. It's not Big Ten. It's not SEC money. But it's valuable. It's a good product. It's got some good schools involved. I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. Play a coast-to-coast league with quality. You'd be competitive. I mean, you want to be as good as the Big Ten and the SEC, obviously, but you would be competitive in every sport at that point. And to me, it'd be a win-win. To me, that's the direction that I think the Big 12 most likely ends up. And, Tom, I'm sure you're feeling the same way. I am laughing hard about Colorado getting on their knees and begging to come back in the big 12. To me, I, I, Utah, Arizona, Arizona state, love to have you Colorado, uh, F you guys, but go ahead and come on in. We'll, we'll laugh at you and and throw you that life reserve.
1: Right. There should be some sort of, uh, some sort of, uh, like prank punishment, you know, they should have to, um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they say, you know what, come back to the Big Twelve, but you don't get to play any home games the
0: first year you're in. Ralphie is not allowed at the stadium.
1: Exactly. Or that or we just cook him up.
0: We're just gonna eat Ralphie. Yes. You ever
1: had a you ever had a bison burger? I have not. Either oh, great.
0: I guess it's time to try it. We're gonna eat Ralphie the buffalo.
1: There you go. That's their punishment. They, well, can, find, they can find another one.
0: Right, that'd
1: be and great. If, if KU beats Texas this year, we we eat bevo too.
0: We eat bevo. We eat Ralphie. All the animals are are going down.
1: Fair game. There you
0: go. Um, to me, you know, I, I look at whether it's bringing some of those Pac-12 schools or even a Big Twelve Pac-12 ma- merger. Um, it, it's very clear that things have fallen. Or the Pac-12 was the one that's in trouble here. Um, you know, I, the Pac-12. There was an idea about them possibly sharing a championship game with the ACC. Look, that idea that that is the we've given up all hope idea. That is the we're effed. Uh, we, we've run out of ideas essentially at that point. I mean, you're done. You're done for. And Big 12 fan out there that you may be listening, it is okay to laugh. This conference has been made fun of, been a laughing stock for 10 plus years now. And at the end of the day, this league is in the best position of those three. They get the last laugh here. Granted, powers that big got to get the job done, got to put it all together. But I, I don't feel bad for those other two leagues, the ACC and the PAC 12 for what's about to happen to them, considering what those leagues did to the big 12 and every, everything that was said about this league. Um, it's okay. It's okay to laugh at and, and have a good, good joke at this one time. Oh,
1: hundred percent. I mean, the PAC 12 was like, well, we don't want the big 12 schools and we're not going to throw you a, a life raft, so to speak. And and now, you know, by how the tables have turned and pretty much exactly a year. Um, the good guys win.
0: It feels that way. It does. I don't know and, for how long.
1: I don't know how for long, for how long we win. Uh, we might all be losers here shortly.
0: Yeah, we could be. And. On top of that, too, with, with all this, the way that things are, are playing out as they may, how smart does the Big 12 look for what they did adding UCF, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati last year? Because right now, if those teams were available, the Pac-12 or whoever would be calling those teams. Um, to get those teams while they were available to react that way. Granted, Bob Bowlesby, for the most part, did a terrible job as the Big 12 commissioner. And to let Oklahoma and Texas go and be blindsided by that was, was bad. But ultimately, the thing that's saving this league right now is its future of what's coming in. Those four teams that moved, to be aggressive and add those four and get them before the others did. That's... The winning moment—that is what will be remembered for saving this league, Tom.
1: Yeah, I believe so. And I don't know about you—I'm—I'm I'm super excited. Uh, you know, they'll be—they'll be. I'm sure, maybe not right out of the gate, um, but eventually, I will make my way to Provo, Utah. Um, and as soon as I get the chance, I will be headed to UCF. That's no doubt in my mind. I'm hoping maybe that'll be Oklahoma State away game in November. Um, because I'm sure the weather will be great. Uh, you won't find me in Houston. You won't find me there. Um, and I will eventually make the trip to Cincinnati. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited. Are you going to eat Skyline Chili? I will definitely try it. Um, I'm sure it's not worth a damn, but, um, you know, maybe maybe Cincinnati can get on board with their Skyline Chili and Oklahoma State can bring their Eskimo cheese fries and make some chili cheese fries out of them right and go that route
0: of the uh, potential PAC 12 candidates, including Oregon and Washington um, of those who joined the big 12, what would, what would most excite you uh, if of, of those six options, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona state, Oregon, and Washington, what would you Tom as a fan, would you be looking to have forward to most of, uh, of possibly going to or having a part of the league if they can snag one of those six?
1: Um, selfish reasons, Arizona State. Um, you bring in the biggest party school in the nation, arguably. Um, you know, you'd have to probably throw in, like, Florida State in there and maybe
0: – Maybe know, <laughs> Yeah, Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, you, you throw in Tempe, Arizona, and that will be one of the first that I go to. But, you know – Oklahoma state is already playing Arizona state this year and next season they'll travel to Tempe. Um, as far as the league goes in terms of quality, I really, really, really like Utah. I think Utah's on the up and up. Um, they had a really good show against Ohio state. Damn near should have beat them um, last year in the Rose bowl. And that was a, a one of those ESPN Insta classics. Um, so I think I like Utah on the up and up, you know, and you could say Oregon too, in terms of battling it out with Jersey combos with Oklahoma state. Um, and then if you, you talk about Washington, um, you know, scenic views, one of the maybe most scenic college football stadiums, arenas, or, you know, views in America, um, Arizona, you know, I don't. I don't have anything to bad about <laughs> to say about Arizona, but I don't have necessarily anything good either. Um, we already have, we already have a wildcat, you know, in the, in the conference. Well, yeah, we would have two wildcats and then the bear cats. Uh, well, and then cougars, two cougars. We'd have a lot of cats. We would be a, uh, a feline league at that point. Um, mentioned Colorado never a bad time to go to Colorado and breathe the Rocky mountain air. Um, so I don't really you have anything. Something else
0: too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Speaking of that, just a little side Oklahoma, uh, thing. They got a, a state question coming in November to legalize recreational marijuana in the state of Oklahoma. So that'll be on the ballot this fall. So, uh, be interesting, uh, you know, and I, I think, I don't think I am alone in that. I think I can speak for the other core Big 12 members that they're excited to have the potential for these teams, not only for the talent level and to be able to play some new opponents, um, but also to be able to travel to these sites. Um, You know, uh, if I had it my way, I'd include Boise State. I know that's probably not in the cards, but um, I am excited um, for these new members and potential members.
0: Yeah, I am too. I, I am very excited about it. And, you know, Tom, I, I don't know how you felt, but with KU for the last year or so, I was holding out hope that they'd end up in the Big Ten, and it seemed like they could be a good fit. Nebraska's already there. K, KU's an AU institution and everything. And things, I think, are headed the right direction, winning a national championship and all that. But – at the end, end of the day, you know, in this last week, you know, KU and Oklahoma State are in the same position, and I've accepted it, and I'm okay with it. In fact, I'm excited about it, of where the future of this Big 12 is going. It might not be ideal. It's not a perfect situation, but it could be a lot worse. That's the reality I've accepted with Kansas, and with I'm sure how Oklahoma State, how Baylor, some of these schools feel that, have had success at the highest level in collegiate athletics, but maybe aren't necessarily wanted by the Big Ten or the SEC. I've accepted that. I feel optimistic about where this is going. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be ideal, but it could be a lot worse. And for me, I I, I think I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, and I think there's just – with all the uncertainty that, that goes on into the new Big 12, it also brings—I don't know—some uh, form of that uncertainty is good and bad, right? It's.
0: I mean, it's at least cold. we're not Washington State or Oregon State right now.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. It could be a lot worse, and and I think just the potential alone gives it—you know—the electricity. I think that's gonna it's gonna need. I mean, if if you know, with four new members already, we bring in a couple of more, um, you know between the sec and the big 10 you know they bring in two new members each sure that's cool this is like a whole new league you bring in four and then maybe even add four more um of teams that don't you know have prior history together uh you know there's some there's going to end up being some good blood like maybe with oklahoma state and k k state have some good blood i feel like but there's also going to be some bad blood that's going to happen, and it's going to be like Baylor, TCU, or you know, there's going to be some more added hated rivalries to come right. out of these and, new teams. I think it's good.
0: And not everybody can go to the Big Ten or the SEC. There's going to be some good schools available in the ACC potentially. If Duke and North Carolina don't get into the Big Ten or the ACC or the SEC, could you imagine what that would do for an already great basketball conference? Those guys over. I mean, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. This is not over yet. Still a lot of work to be done. I'm optimistic and we'll talk about it more with Tim Brandon when he joins us coming up in uh, just a moment. With all that's going on real quick, Tom, we didn't even talk about Joey Chestnut taking down that protester, eating 60 hot dogs, 63 on one leg on the 4th of July. That's an American hero right there.
1: Yeah, it's still it's crazy to this day what he can do. Uh, you know, I don't know because I don't I didn't I didn't even I don't even know who, who who came in second. How many dogs were they behind? They were like 20 dogs behind.
0: It wasn't even close.
1: Right. So when Joey Chestnut finally hangs it up, uh,
0: you know it's gonna be it like was... when Jordan walked away from the NBA. No one's ready to take that mantle. It's yeah, I... Joey's sport. He's one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. <laughs>
1: There was Kobayashi for a while, but he could only last so long. Yeah. I, oh, it's it's is it? I Jones, how many dogs do you think you could eat in that time?
0: Uh, maybe ten. That might be it. But I'm say, I could probably we'll, get six we'll, or seven. Maybe we'll test it someday. Tim Brando oh. going to join us on the other side. We'll be back with more in just a bit. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is our good friend Tim Brando from Fox Sports. I could not think of a better guest I'd want to talk to about conference realignment right now than Timmy B. Timmy B, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Uh, A few things going on, maybe?
2: Yeah, just a few. I mean, (laughs) uh, I've been in the business uh, for five decades, uh, Tyler, long before you were born or even thought about. And we've always had um, transitional periods in college athletics, but I don't think that we've had one as seismic. Uh, as this one, um, yeah, even the OU Texas exit a little over a year ago uh, from the Big Twelve to the SEC did not have the earth tremors, so to speak, to the to the the sport itself that this one is having, uh, because you're talking about uh, brands that are not just big brands, but brands that were worth probably fifty percent of what the Pac-12 once, once was. You, know, you combine USC's dominance and prominence in football and UCLA's in basketball and just their overall sports landscapes being what they were to the Pac-12. That's just a major hit. And for them to now be in the Big Ten to go along with all the mega media markets and traditional powers that are in that conference uh it's it's set the industry on its ear and now uh we've got you know more dominoes to fall starting with um, Notre Dame you know all eyes now are on Jack Swarbrick the athletic director at Notre Dame who literally holds in my opinion literally holds the future of uh of the makeup of the sport you know for the long term in his hands you know whatever decision Notre Dame makes they're gonna be fine Every option that's available to him is a great one, uh, but when he does make that decision, it's going to have uh, an, an, an impact on you know all kinds of changes that could be happening to the rest of the Big Ten and to the rest of of college football, specifically the Pac-12 uh, and and the Big 12. In my in my view, uh, where where teams wind up will be in large measure determined by Notre Dame's decision.
0: Yeah, certainly so. I want to get to Notre Dame in just a moment, but I want to start first with uh, USC and UCLA with their move to the Big Ten. What do you make of this move for for both programs here? What do they bring to the Big Ten here besides the Los Angeles market?
2: brands, big brands, uh, which and eyeballs to television sets. Um, you know the, the, the you know the the whole Pac-12 North schools all of them okay stanford cal um these are programs that needed to play usc to get people into their stands and now those programs are gone and as a result their stadiums will be less full and there will be far fewer viewers for the games that they play uh so that's big uh usc's long-standing history and tradition to college football uh, going even beyond the the McKay regime uh, is off the charts big. And, um, you know, UCLA is the most storied basketball program in the history of the sport. And that includes the modern-day Coach K-led uh, Duke Blue Devils or the, the great Kansas Jayhawks, where the sport, you know, had the coach that invented it. Uh, UCLA's run under Wooden. And now, even in the current times, you know, they're just a year removed from being in the Final Four, and the, the future is bright uh, for them from a recruiting standpoint now. They're, they're, they're a major player even today. Uh, and in football, when you think of Skip, I mean, they're on the precipice of doing really good things at UCLA. Uh, but financially, their program, unlike USC's, could not command the same kind of dollars uh, that, that USC's had largely because of football and the up and down nature of its program for a number of years. Now they go from, you know, an athletic department in the red to an athletic department. That's way past that. And, and, and going to be uh, in a position financially to compete, uh, at an even higher level for a long time to come. Uh, his job, Skip's job, just got get a whole lot better. And, and UCLA, uh, is, is now I think in a position to, and if you want to say it's on USC's coattails, that's fine with me. Uh, They're in a position now to rise to a level of, of prominence and maybe stability and prominence that heretofore they've not had. Um, But yeah, the the LA market is big and you couple that with everything that the big 10 already has in terms of market sizes, Detroit, Chicago, uh, you know, even even as far to the east, and we can argue Rutgers viability in New York, but still, the bottom line is uh, along the eastern seaboard with uh, the beltway covered with Maryland to New York to Chicago to now L.A. Uh, that's a national conference. That's a that's a college football conference that you know has the kind of depth to deliver you three big time games every week. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why uh, these these reports that you're reading about in Sports Business Journal and and uh, the other comments from writers of major publications that follow television are saying that uh, you might be seeing Big Ten football on network television from noon until midnight on big networks. OK, uh, according to published reports, we're talking uh The big noon window with Fox, the potential of CBS replacing its SEC package in two years when it goes to ABC, ESPN, their published reports saying that CBS could get the the next best game uh, in that window from the Big Ten. And uh, and there's talk of both NBC uh, and Amazon and now even Apple, uh, potentially. But I mean, think about that. If NBC were to do a primetime Big Ten game and you had CBS in the middle of the afternoon, and you've already had Fox doing its big noon window, which was the highest rated window in college football last year. Man, that is a massive uh, audience for your conference to have uh, every week. Yeah, that's just unbelievable. And
0: Notre Dame and all this, do you think that they make the move to the Big Ten as well? It seems like they'd be a natural fit, especially if Stanford comes with them. All the rivals would be in one place.
2: Yeah, um, the talk of, of Notre Dame and the anticipation of Notre Dame, as I mentioned, it, you know, it, is is literally it got everyone on the edge of their seats to see when it – and it may take a while for Swarbrick to figure it out. You know, the Irish uh, have been adamant about not joining a conference for a long time. I felt many years ago that they, they should really consider the ACC because – there would come a time when they would need a conference affiliation to get in. And it actually happened, you know, the COVID year, without Notre Dame having the option to go to the ACC for that one year, that's what got them in the playoffs. The last time they were in the the CFP. Uh, But there's no way the ACC could deliver for them financially what the Big Ten can. The question becomes, with all their endowments and and all of the – exclusivity that they have by being an independent is that is that all worth saying no to the big 10 i i i tend to believe you can have your cake and eat it too if you're notre dame why would you say no to uh, an annual uh coffer of a hundred million dollars to your program on top of everything else you get by being notre dame uh so i think ultimately they'll work it out and i think they will come into the big 10 Uh, and then once that happens, Tyler, I think you'll see quickly. Okay. Like, like you're at the racetrack to see who's going to hit the quarter pole in front. I think it's going to be in order, Oregon, Washington, and Stanford, uh, filling out, uh, the big 10 and, uh, and there is a wild card in there. I'm not going to rule out Clemson. I'm not, um, it, it, it appears that Clemson uh, is willing to to make a strong move to finally get into a position to get from television something it's never gotten by being in the ACC. And everybody talks about the SEC, and that, that is the geographical home, one would think, for Clemson if they were to leave the ACC. But I think that the level of exclusivity and that additional revenue might be – uh, something that they would want to jump on if they could if they could get into the Big Ten. It'd be interesting to see to me if there's a willingness on the part of the, the Big Ten to do- go there because in the last half dozen years, there's no greater story of creating a blue blood in college football than Clemson. Right. And they've done it with, and they've done it with virtually the worst TV deal that any one of the uh, power programs in college football have had. The ACC is saddled with a bad TV deal from now until 2036. And um, people talk about the grant of rights and what it would cost for them to get out of it, even Notre Dame would have to take that on were they to go to the Big Ten. But to me, you either take that to court and you might, you know, um, by threatening to take it to court, get the grant of rights brought down. That's what happened with Maryland. Uh, When Maryland chose to go to the Big Ten, they negotiated a lower deal to get into the Big Ten. Uh, but, but frankly, I think after one payment from the big 10, Notre Dame can more than take care of a grant of rights issue that they might have. So, uh, I I think Clemson is sort of a wild card player here, uh, even with the big 10, but conventional wisdom is that they would likely, if they did move to the, uh, to another conference, it would more than likely be the sec, but I still think everything's on the table. You know what I mean? Everything is on the table right now.
0: So with everything being on the table right now, Timmy B is ultimately where we're headed to is two power conferences, the big 10 and the sec. Do you think they could branch off and even have their own playoff between those two leagues?
2: No, no, we're not going there. Uh, I, I think that there are some people in the media that are trying to, and most of them are professional sports uh, media types um, that are trying to make comparisons to the premier league or It's going to be like the AFC and the NFC. No, it's not college football. It's still college football. And uh, all the teams that are left in the Pac-12 or left uh, that are in the Big 12, I rejuvenated Big 12, by the way. Let's not forget, Bob Bowlesby on his way out uh, managed to get BYU in and the three best teams in the American, including the team that was in the CFP last year, Cincinnati, uh, Houston, and UCF. Uh, So he's got momentum built and be, yeah, I mentioned BYU. So you got BYU, those three teams. uh, So they're in a negotiating mode already. And at the time that earlier in the week, when the PAC 12 was saying uh, we we're, we're now negotiating our new television deal. There are also reports out there from people I trust saying that a half dozen big 12 schools were in contact with the PAC 12, Uh, notably Uh, Utah Colorado the two Arizona schools you know and and I think that those make a lot of sense for the big 12 the big 12 footprint I I think they have the chance to be uh in the best possible position of the remaining so-called autonomous five uh conferences uh if if I'm the the ACC I'm reaching out to try to better my situation with television and I'm trying to find a way to to uh uh, to to work some kind of merger if, if i were them that's what i'd be thinking about i don't think any kind of merger between the pac-12 and big 12 will happen because of the mission uh, statements really that each of those institutions have out west um you know the situation that occurred with byu and utah went into the pac-12 uh faith-based universities in the pac-12 uh, they are philosophically uh not in the same uh, stratosphere, uh, but the Big 12 had no problem bringing in BYU uh, because they have faith-based universities already in their in their conference, right? And uh, and I think the ACC would be uh, because of that uh, the the league. If I'm the Pac 12, and I'm both the commissioner of those those conferences, Jim Phillips, uh, still new to his job after leaving Northwestern, and uh, George Kliavkov, uh, I'm working together if I can to find a way to hold on and and maintain a position as a power league. Uh, But I don't think that this, this notion that uh, it's the big two and, and that's it. And we're going to just play a round Robin between these, these conferences. No, I don't see that happening at all. I think that's um, a foolish conversation being held by many that really never liked college athletics to start with.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, Timmy B. Uh, but certainly I think everybody's gonna be jockeying to get into those two conferences. Oh yes.
2: No, that's absolutely the truth. Yeah. Right. But I, I mean already, but I think they already know Tyler who they are. Uh, right. I, well, uh like I, I, okay, I really I, believe Utah and Colorado know their place and that they fit a hell of a lot more from an institutional standpoint and a geographical standpoint in the Big Twelve. Uh, I think that to work to your point, if I'm, um, if I'm Cal uh, and I'm Stanford, obviously I'm working like hell to try to get into the big 10. Yes. No doubt about it. Uh, But, but I do think that schools like Utah and Colorado and really the Arizona schools are just such a marvelous fit. It it almost sounds right really that they would be in the big 12.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. So with that being said, of uh, potential candidates, uh, you mentioned Oregon, Washington, Stanford seem like good fits in the Big Ten. What does the SEC do to counter what the Big Ten's doing? I would imagine if the Big Ten's going to grow, the SEC's probably going to yeah. keep pace of some yeah. sort. Of yeah,
2: they're, yeah, they're not going to stand pat. I, I think they're definitely going after Clemson. and uh, But I just think Clemson's got a, an option. I, I think they've got a little more wiggle room, okay, that – there may be some other schools, even with the big 10 uh, that may shock some people, but that's just, that's my opinion. Uh, but Miami, Florida state, North Carolina, mm-hmm. even with Duke on their coattails, I, I think the potential of, of Duke getting, um, married in because of the North Carolina Duke rivalry. I think all those things are things that are, are items that have to be considered by the Southeastern conference. Absolutely. Um, they know that the Big Ten is is, um, is going to twenty, and that they need to probably match that, and they need to shake it up themselves. Um, but it's not going to change their economics. That's the thing you got to remember. Their deal is done. You know, they signed their deal, gosh, two years ago. Okay, for a contract that doesn't start until not the twenty twenty five. 25, they're a year behind the Big Ten in when they start their new contract. The Big Ten deal that we're talking about here will start in 24. Okay. So after the 22 season, the 23 season, Big Ten changes will be initiated in 24. In 25, the SEC will get uh, its opportunity off of CBS with their new deal for just 300 300 million that they got for that. 3.30 window game. And it's up to them where they put it. There's some talk that they might put it in primetime, which is certainly their choice if they want to do that. But, um, you know, that that the economics for the Southeastern Conference will not change um, at least that much because of uh, the teams that they bring in. So they have to take into consideration who they're sharing their revenues with. Okay. Because that they, they share equally, you know, they make a big deal in the Southeastern Conference about everyone making the same amount of money. And for years, that's something that going back to even Roy Kramer's days, as commissioner, that they, they took great pride in. Uh, that wasn't true in the Big 12, wasn't true in other conferences, frankly. So uh, I, I think that they've got to they've keep up with the Big 10, yes, but I don't know that their economics will change. The reason why this Big 10 deal hasn't been announced yet is because economics in the deal are changing uh every hour you know from the time USC and UCLA went in the value you know got greater Uh, I was told uh a friend of mine that's in the sports media business that uh Apple uh wasn't involved at all in the Big Ten negotiating until after the Notre Dame the uh the Notre Dame story hit after USC and UCLA went in and now now Apple uh, is competing with Amazon for, for digital rights, you know. Wow, <laughs> so that's going to drive that price up, you know, to go along with uh, whoever else is out there. You know, it's funny. I, I mentioned uh, the potential of of the three major networks having. Well, ESPN's not out of it either. You right. know what? What if ESPN wants to get involved with uh, with its digital side as well as with with ESPN, but you, you wonder with, with ESPN because they have such an, uh, an investment in the sec, uh, how much inventory is too much inventory to to find places to put things. I, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why you're hearing so much about this, uh, this potential of having a a Fox, uh, followed by CBS, NBC situation. So again, it's all published reporting that I'm going with. I have no insight,
3: but I
2: think, To reason that uh, it's going to be an incredible deal, and that these teams at the Big Ten are going to make over a hundred million annually, and I think the SEC deal is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy-three to seventy-seven million annually for its institutions. So that's those are big jumps by both leagues.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And with that being said, I I know you work for Fox, obviously, but it feels like Timmy B. You know, previously. ESPN kind of had the power of the sports and now with Fox making these moves with the big 10 and the college football playoff TV rights coming up and direction of what the playoff looks like in the future still to be determined here. It seems like Fox now has an equal seat to the table of of ESPN does as far as the future of the sport goes.
2: Well, they, they wanted to grow their portfolio, uh, from the jump. You know, uh, I was told that before I went to work there, uh, almost nine years ago. I'm starting my ninth year. I've done eight seasons now at Fox. That's hard to believe, but it's true. I'm starting my ninth year. I began in 14, uh, 2014 and they have grown tremendously since I got there. And uh, so, yeah, I, and and I think uh, particularly when it became evident that the conference commissioners, that quartet of Craig Thompson, Swarbrick, Bowlesby and Sankey recommended to, Their colleagues that they go from a four team playoff in the CFP to a 12 team playoff. I think it was, I think it became pretty obvious that the notion there was that more than one entity, okay, could be involved in the college football playoff. With all this taking place, I think that sort of cements that theory. And uh, I think it's great for the game, you know, regardless of who the, the networks are. If it wasn't Fox and it was NBC, I'd still say the same thing. I believe the more uh, distributors you have, the stronger your content, uh, the stronger your position in the business. Uh, uh, People have said, and you've seen some of the critics, well, I don't want it to be like the NFL, but I'm like, okay, well, you know, college football will never be like the NFL ever. Okay. I mean, it's just not, there's too many nuances to the history of the sport that will never be the NFL, but in some measure, especially from a business standpoint, college football should have been following the NFL's blueprint for success, especially when it comes to electronic media for a far longer period of time than they have. Having more than one network covering your championship format was by far and away the right thing for Pete Rozelle when the the AFL and the NFL merged in 1970. Well, here we are, you know, more than, a half century later, and finally, college football has gotten a clue. Uh, They need to do the same thing Uh, because college football's hardcore fans, uh, you know, have to make decisions on where do I go to get games and can I find the game? Well, in college football, when we get to the postseason, it's almost forgotten. You know, we got a month off in between games. Uh, The NFL is having playoff game after playoff game after playoff game. Now, when you go to a 12 team playoff, you're going to have three weeks of competition that all of the college football world can center in on. And by having two, uh, distribution packages through two major networks is the way to go. That's how you get, uh, more of a mass appeal, casual audience that drives your viewership from, you know, say eight, 10, 11 million to 18, 19, 20 to 30 million. Okay. Uh, a great rating for a regular season college football game is generally anything around three point five to four million viewers. Okay, that's that's about one quarter what a great rating would be for an NFL regular season game. Right. Okay, and and a uh, and the uh, college football playoff semifinals, you know, they were they were told they being the the advertisers that those games would be worthy of you know, NFC and AFC championship game ratings. Well, they've been not even close to that. So there's been a disconnect for college football once its regular season ended and its postseason began. Now, with all that's taking place, both in the regular season, with all these changes with realignment and uh, the potential of a CFP being negotiated that would include more than one network, I think you're going to see, more casual fans turn to the college game because they can develop, uh, uh, awareness of who these players are, where they came from. Oh, this Cinderella story, you know, the, the seventh, the, uh, the 11th seed beat the sixth seed, you know, and they, they get caught up in it just like, uh, uh, they get caught up in the NFL playoffs, you know, when a team like Buffalo, you know, upsets the Patriots or, or a game similar to that takes place. Uh, that's what drives an audience. That's, College football has been missing out on that for years.
0: Yeah, they certainly have. Last question. We'll end on this. Bay where I'm at, in Big 12 country, a yep. lot of uncertainty. Obviously, there's excitement about the idea of adding teams. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to individual schools, whether it's Oklahoma right. State, Kansas, Baylor, Iowa State, whatever, is right. there any interest at all, you think, from other leagues, Big 10 and SEC in
2: particular, in current Big 12 members? No, I don't think so, um, and 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 you know it's a it's it's one of those factors about you know uh, how many how many TV markets are we impacting and uh, how many eyeballs will these fans bring? Texas and Oklahoma, you know, carry the mail for that league in terms of viewership. I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, Bowlesby went to work so quickly on getting BYU was because he knew he had not just a national audience, but an international audience by bringing them a very loyal following. I mean, very loyal. I mean, even during the time that they were independent uh, and maybe not in the mindset of uh, fans around the country, their games got huge audiences uh, for their individual network, which, you know, mattered to their school, mattered to their institution. But, um, They also saw the problems that came with going independent. You know, they lost their coach to Virginia. Uh, They they lost a lot of things. And and I think that they recognized they needed to be in the league and jumping in the way they did was important. Uh, Having Cincinnati uh, coming off a CFP, playing in a league where you only get $7 million annually. I've mentioned that to a few people today and they go, what? Really? I said, yeah. So don't tell me just because uh, somebody's making – 10 times the amount of money you're making on television, you can't compete. Cincinnati's proven otherwise. So did UCF a few years ago. Uh, But, you know, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor are probably your big kahunas left in today's, you know, TCU because of the market they're in the Dallas Fort Worth market. And because they, they've got an inordinate amount of revenue for a small, uh, you know, for a small Methodist school, uh, they really do. Uh, their donors are huge. They got a lot of, they got a lot of pop to them. Uh, Oklahoma State is when you think of what T Boone Pickens was able to do, uh, knowing he was still a little brother to OU. Uh, the facilities they have there and their consistency under Mike Gundy uh, puts them in a position of being at the very top tier. Of of the Big Twelve, but I'm sorry, none none of those schools are going to attract attention from either the SEC or the or the Big Ten. So it all starts with them reaching out to grab those that would like a piece of what they have, and and that's why I think that uh, you know the hiring of your mark was considered outside the box by many, but I thought it was the perfect hire because. Uh, Bob Bowlesby, more of a traditionalist, done a really good job of piecing together what was left. You know, after everybody in the media was saying it's over, it's over, it's over, they're done. I mean, people have forgotten this, but uh, Commissioner Bowlesby sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN yeah. because they felt they were tampering with the American Conference to, to poach more of their teams. I mean, I've never seen that in my entire career. That public a, right. a condemnation by a conference commissioner to a network that was off the charts. But what he did was he set the big 12 up to at least reinvent itself for whoever, whoever comes in next. And your has got history in the, uh, in the NBA at NASCAR, uh, and on the digital side from, uh, the entertainment business working with Jay-Z. So, you know, he knows, what value he's got. And I think he's out there working it really, really hard uh, to make sure that those schools that are in the PAC 12, they're searching for, you know, a home uh, could find one in their league. So uh, I think the big 12 is going to be uh, the next big deal, All, albeit not nearly as big as the two in front of them, but they're going to be the next big deal of those that are left. And in a, in, I still think in a very good position moving forward in college football.
0: I think so, too. Timmy B., we're out of time. We appreciate you joining us, man. I'm looking forward to hearing you on the call for some great college football games this fall, but we still have a whole lot of time between now and then. As always, follow Timmy B. on Twitter at Tim Brando, and we'll talk in in the future. Uh, Thanks for joining us always, Tim, and we'll talk in soon.
2: Congratulations, Tyler, on everything you've got going on. I know the NFL is fun, but don't forget about us. If ever you want to talk to me, I'm always here time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor
0: Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, oconnoradvisorgroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. You can also reach out to Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. It's brian with a y, .oconnor at lpl.com. And you can check out the Coach Bo Knows Podcast out each and every Monday and Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Well, Since we last talked last week, it feels like an eternity of things have happened. But I mean, All you so UCLA cool. going to the Big Ten. Baker Mayfield's got a new home. Uh, everything in college sports is in chaos. No one knows where they're going. Um, a lot has happened uh, since we last talked, and it's only been a week. Uh, have you caught your breath a bit?
3: Yeah, you know, every, it's all hell has literally broken loose, especially in college football. I mean, it's – I mean, we're going to see more of this moving, you know, even faster now, I think, in the next few weeks. And uh, it's kind of all hands on deck for all these newer commissioners too. I mean, the Pac-12 was a newer commissioner. You know, the Big 12 has a brand-new commissioner. The ACC's got a commissioner who's been on board for a year and a half. I mean, they're going to all be – earning their pay if they're still around in a couple of years after this couple of weeks, what's going to happen going forward.
0: Yeah. Let's start out with uh, SC and UCLA going to the big 10 at this time last year, when the deal was announced that Oklahoma and Texas would go to the SEC, the big 10 ACC and PAC 12 announced they were doing this Alliance Uh, so long for the alliance. uh, That lasted about 10 months uh, with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. I I don't care whatever you may have had, some agreement of some sorts. When USC and UCLA came to the Big Ten and said, we want in, the Big Ten had no choice. If they said no, the SEC would have taken them.
3: Yeah, I I don't know that UCLA and USC would have been great fits in 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 the SEC, and I don't know that the SEC would have taken them. I think the SEC has their look at they're looking at other teams. They want to keep that more South centric, if you will. But for the Big Ten, what it does is it gives them UCLA and UCL and USC as they're in negotiations right now for TV and streaming. I mean, they're in the negotiations and they're wanting a package bigger than the SEC. When you can add the second biggest market in America and no one else will have it. I mean, why wouldn't you make that deal? It just makes sense. And I know that you and I have kind of t- uh, texted the last couple of days about what we think the big 10 is going to do next. And I can see it going a couple of different ways, but it's I, if you're the SC, if you're the, if you're the big 10, this is a great move. If you're UCLA and your USC, it's the best possible move you can make. And now it's going to leave open – now the rest of the dominoes will fall at what we've predicted was going to happen over the last really, – we've been predicting this for three or four years now. As long as I've been coming on this show, we've been predicting that conference realignment was going to happen again and we were going to see at least two dominating conferences.
0: We've even clear what we even talked for the last year. For the last year, we've even talked about SC going to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I think the surprise of it was UCLA coming along with. I think we all showed USC was taking anyone from the Pac-12. They'd take Oregon with them. That's still possible, but bringing UCLA with, I thought, was interesting. Like, I don't know how much UCLA adds to what SC already brings.
3: Well, I think that you lock down the the LA market. You get both sides. You get both the, the SC people and you get, you know, UCLA. There was some talk that UCLA as being part of the, the California state schools thing, and they're really part of that whole UC, um, uh, university
0: system. system. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That you would think that they would be waiting to do something with Cal, but no one's going to go for Cal. It's just not a great football school and make no bones about it. This is a football first thing. I mean, this is what this is all about. It's all said and done. Um, I think for UCLA, what I read, I read an article in The Athletic this week that said their uh, AD president and chancellor, there was two things that really played into this. The first one was their budget was already busted before COVID. They were already running a pretty large deficit. Their shoe deal is an Adidas deal. It's not as lucrative as some of the Nike deals that are out there. And... Then COVID hits, and it almost doubled that deficit. So they're looking at this as a lifeline money-wise. The fandom of it, my understanding was last season in football, um, UCLA hosted a game against LSU. And a lot of the LSU fans traveled from Louisiana to California and they saw what they thought was a different kind of atmosphere. we joke; joked, it just means more. You know, a lot of those fans travel. It's, a, it's a kind of a, not once in a lifetime. If you're, you know, from the SEC, it's probably once in a lifetime to go play in the Rose Bowl. So a lot of people went out there for that one, that one game. And I guess the people at UCLA, the people higher up said, we want this atmosphere every week. And we want these teams, we want our people to like it, but we want these other schools to travel here as well. You know,
0: it's well, very similar to the Chargers in the NFL, where we sit back and we say, "I don't know a Charger fan that exists," especially now as the LA Chargers. Yeah. But every home game, there's fans from every fan base, especially the bigger ones like the Cowboys, Steelers, yeah. Chiefs, the Packers. The Eagles, yeah. Packers. Steelers that end up filling up that stadium, the Raiders, you know, take over as a home game. That might be ends up what happens. Your Ohio States, your Michigans, your Penn States Mm -hmm. fill up that place. But for UCLA's sake, money's money. I mean, it might not not be a home game, but hey, they got asses and seats.
3: Yeah. When they're going to get a bunch of money from the TV deal. So that's going to save them budget wise. Then you can create some atmosphere Your venue's the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's a big-time deal. So if you're going to have home games against, let me think about it, the Big Ten schools, it's already a big deal to go play there because they've been conditioned for it for the last 60 years, 70 years. So now you're going to have home games against Michigan, Ohio State. You think Penn State fans, even Rutgers fans are going to go. I mean right. think about it Rutgers is going to play home going to play an away game every couple of years at UCLA why wouldn't you go if you're a Rutgers guy you know the same with Nebraska or Iowa I mean it's going to be a great excuse to get away and go to a game and it's yeah I think it overall this that's another dynamic no one's talked about really It's going to be something special to see what's going to happen with USC, UCLA. The only downside I can think of in this whole thing, and it's not even football related, it's the uh, non-revenue sports. You know, you get things like, you know, golf, uh, women's softball, baseball. And they're not all taking charter planes either. They're They're going to have to because it's going to be difficult to get those kids to go play you know, for the the women's basketball team or the women's soccer team to go from L.A. to Rutgers. Right. You know, even just going in Nebraska and going halfway across the country, they're going to have to start chartering planes for those people. Right. So they're going to have, and that's going to have to happen across the conference. It'll be more so for UCLA and USC. They've got big donors who all have planes they can use, that sort of stuff. But it's going to happen for everybody else going the other way as well. Right. So that's the one thing I see as a downfall. But, again, in the end, there's enough money in this thing, and you can figure that out.
0: So with with all that said, the Big Ten compared to the SEC right now, you add in these schools, USC and UCLA, two big-name brands. But at this point in 2022, both programs are down, UCLA, was better this year than what they've been in a while, but still not great by any stretch. Yeah. USC, new head coach in Lincoln Riley, but they're coming off a four win season. How does the new Big Ten compare to the new SEC with their additions of Oklahoma and Texas, besides any other additions? We'll get to Notre Dame in just a yeah. second, that whole deal. But just you know, for things stand right now, how does the Big Ten, new Big Ten, it, and new SEC
3: compare? It's competitive because if you take the top tier, Let's take in name alone. Let's take the top tier. Top tier of the SEC, you've got Alabama. You've got Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M.
0: LSU, uh, Georgia. LSU,
3: Georgia, and Florida. I'd even say Auburn. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could argue about 10 or 12 of those. But then if you go Michigan, Ohio State, USC. Penn State. Penn State. Uh, where am I going here next? Michigan State's got some big things in football. They're kind of where AM could be, if you want to follow on that. I mean, I think they're as big a program as that. I think the top three, USC, Ohio State, and Michigan, are as good of a traditional program as the top three in the SEC, being Alabama, I guess you'd say – Oklahoma and in Florida or Texas, if you look at over the length of time of all time, um, you know, because you've had times where some have been good, some have been bad, you know, right now, it's probably still going to be a little deeper in the SEC. There's still more movement, and there's going to be more, and there's going to be two or three big guns out there that someone's going to take and both those conferences are going to land one.
0: So let's talk about Notre Dame now. We were just talking yeah. about it with Tim Brando a few moments ago. He ultimately thinks that Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. I do too. Um, But the timing of it for me is very interesting. Let's just say, you know, the, the Big Ten has said, you know, the, the rumor is they've told Oregon and Washington, these other schools, hold up, we're not doing anything until Notre Dame makes their mind. Yeah. Notre Dame, what if they say no right now? but the door is always open, right? I mean, if you're yeah. Notre Dame, you can call any of these conferences and they're going to open the door and hand you a gift basket to any of those leagues at any time. Any of them, SEC included. they take Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, with that said, to me, one interesting circumstance is the idea of if Notre Dame says, not yet. If they say no now, then this could really shake things up. If Notre Dame says yes, then I think we have an idea of what's going to happen next. But if yeah. they say no for now, then who knows how this is going to shake out?
3: Yeah. Well, I think that Notre Dame is the next domino. Yeah, I think the best fit for Notre Notre Dame's the SEC is not trying to get Notre Dame. Doesn't make any sense to them. But where the what Notre Dame has is they have one. I do think they end up in the Big 10 as well because it's just the easiest piece. But they're the one school who can be the life raft for the ACC. And the one school that if you add them and you go okay now you're here and they get a commitment from Clemson to stay and Miami to stay and not go anywhere, then you could talk about that. You know, we're either going to end up with four or three conferences. And now these three, like I said, these three conferences, the the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC are all kind of fighting it out. The Pac-12 is the casualty at this point. I don't know how they come back.
0: Oh, yeah. This whole idea of them contacting the ACC and saying, let's do one big title game, that doesn't benefit anybody. I mean, no no. one's saying because of that.
3: No. I don't think that's going to work. And what are you going to do? You're going to replace teams with UNLV and San Diego State? It doesn't I mean, I mean
0: Conferences technically don't die. I mean, the WAC is technically still in existence. But yeah. as we know them, as power conferences do die.
3: Yeah, they yeah, I, I, their good is gone. I mean, you figure who's already leaving and then who's going to go to the Big 12. Um, you know, it's going to come down to, the only thing the Pac-12 can do is try to somehow sneak into a TV deal before anybody else. That's just not going to happen. And not without US, UCLA and USC. The ACC's life preserver is Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got too much football history with the members of the Big Ten. Rivalries with Michigan. Rivalries with Ohio State. Rivalries with USC. It makes so much sense for them to join. They cannot hold out as an independent. It's just not going to work. There'll be nobody to play because if they don't go to the Big Ten, the Big Ten and the SEC can say, hey, we don't want any piece of you. You either join us or we're not going to play you or allow any of our member schools to play you. And if they can't play any of those teams, how do you think they're going to get into a playoff?
0: Yeah, I mean, really I- –
3: That to me is
0: the easiest way for this to get done is that the Big Ten tells its members you're not allowed to play Notre Dame.
3: Yeah. And the SEC will stand stand strong with that. They don't care. You know, I guess Notre Dame could talk to the SEC. It would be interesting. I don't know that it'd be a good fit, but it's a lot of money.
0: I think Notre Dame is going to, you know, they're they're such a big name, they will work anywhere.
3: Yeah. I do mean, that's the truth to that. I think they're the perfect fit for the Big Ten. How many teams will the Big Ten be at by adding USC and UCLA? That puts them at sixteen. At sixteen, they're going to take four more. I think these two take conferences four are going to 20.
0: and the SEC will take four more, and we'll be at yeah. twenty apiece at least.
3: Yeah, and I, I, you look at it. I mean, my prediction would be that we see Notre Dame, Stanford. Uh, Washington, and Oregon, all in the big 10. Yeah. I would then predict we see um, Florida State, uh, Miami, right. mm-hmm. Virginia, and North Carolina in the SEC unless Clemson is willing to go to the SEC.
0: Oh, no, wait, wait. That's where I would stop you. I would say Clemson, and we talked about this with Brando, He thinks Clemson's going to have their pick, that Clemson chooses. Brando said he thinks that Clemson, they'll decide. If they want the Big Ten or the SEC, they'll have an invite to either one.
3: Clemson's made to go to the SEC.
0: Yes, that's an act. They already
3: have their biggest in-state rival right there in in South Carolina. North Carolina's going to get it. Clemson is like an hour and a half from the University of Georgia. Another arrival. The thing I see hurting Clemson is one guy and one guy only, and that's that Dabo Sweeney does not want to coach in the SEC. He does not want that team in the SEC. You He'll say be- that,
0: but I mean, we heard reports Lincoln Riley had no idea USC was going to the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, he's, this is well,
3: well above the coaches. Yeah, but this is, but see, if Dabo has a say, he doesn't, though. I, don't I, think I would does. hope he doesn't, but. Unfortunately, he might. I, I think that he. I think mean, they might end up. I can see them going. I mean,
0: conference realignment is even bigger than the ads. Even these are. This is I, I agree.
3: The I agree. It's the presidents now. I mean, in the in the top top alums, the top top money. But I do think that I can see Clemson trying to say, "All right, let's get Notre Dame with us, and let's try to." keep as much of this ACC thing together as possible, because if we can win this conference, we're always in the playoffs. Clemson thinks they're more than they actually are. Right. And now, again, I think the SEC is going to target Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Miami. If they decide to not take one of those four, Virginia is the other team they take. Mm -hmm. That's the fifth one. So, Four of those five end up in the SEC. Um, my guess is that it does end up being Clemson, Florida State, uh, Virginia, and um, – Miami. Um, no, North Carolina.
0: You don't think Miami goes to the SEC? I
3: think they're going to choose between Virginia and, and Miami when it's See, all I disagree. I
0: think Miami is
3: their first choice. I, I think that Clemson and, and Florida State are their first two choices. I, think, I mean they want Virginia because of the DC market.
0: I, I think Miami is a home run. That's the easiest call of I
3: think it is. Well, I think you take Miami. If I was to pick four, I would take Miami, Florida State, North Carolina, and Virginia.
0: See, I, I think Greg Sankey's smart enough that Miami will be their first
3: phone call. Oh, yeah, I would I mean that's the four I would take. I would I want to lock Florida down. I would take Virginia for DC, and then I go get North Carolina.
0: If, uh, if you're in what is the Big 12 now or the ACC or the Pac-12 that's going to get left behind, those teams that won't be in the SEC yeah. and the Big 10, it's going to be hard to compete for championships, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like, even yeah. if, let's say, for all intents and purposes, you have a Baylor or an Oklahoma State or a Georgia Tech, I don't know, whatever, yeah. and they go undefeated cool, you might get the last seed in the playoff, but you're going to be treated like how we treat the group of five now.
3: Yeah. yeah. I. Yes. It's going to be when they, when they decide to expand this playoff, there's going to be guaranteed spots to, get to the Big 10 and the SEC. If there's eight spots, they're going to guarantee both of them three of
0: them. They might not even need to guarantee them. They would say, no. hey, we trust they our rankings. Not. They're going to put seven it or eight
3: Yeah, And And then, which it was the, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it the ACC commissioner that voted against the expansion?
0: The ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 commissioners all said no.
3: Okay. but Wasn't it the ACC commissioner who was really the one that said, that got the others with him and said, hey.
0: It was, it was a Bowlesby who put it together and Sankey and Notre Dame's AD were on board.
3: Okay. Because so I was wondering, because expanding before now would have saved those conferences.
0: Yeah, especially the Pac-12.
3: Yeah, yeah. So the the team the, the conferences that were like they were worried about oh we're about the SEC dominating us, they lost. They lost because they didn't realize that that was their savior, because if they could have got their champion in every time, yeah. Now they can't. There's no way the Big Twelve and whatever's left of the Pac-12 or whatever's left of the ACC is going to guarantee their champion get into the playoff. No, no way. And now what's going to happen is we're going to see a three-loss team win a national title. Yeah, we're going to see a three-loss team, whether that's you know Oklahoma, Texas. Alabama, Michigan, that's gonna be really, really good, but got unfortunate to lose two or three games. But they make the playoffs with the best team of three losses.
0: Right. And, and how many times game. have we talked about in the past of hey, this team doesn't deserve to go in the playoff based on their record? But they're the hottest team
3: right now. Like Utah this yeah. past
0: year, Utah was maybe as good as any team in the country, not named Yeah,
3: AM two years ago in 2020. Yeah. You know, the one lost AM team that everybody thought, Man, you play in right now, you're gonna get your ass kicked, right? You know, that's now we're gonna see that, so yeah, I so mean we we're on. gonna see something like that.
0: Let's uh, let's transition to the NFL. Baker Mayfield has a new home finally yeah. with the Carolina Panthers. Panthers get a 2024 conditional fifth round pick. What's uh, your immediate reaction to Baker Mayfield with the Panthers?
3: Okay, so I'm not surprised that it's the Panthers. I mean, I'm surprised because I thought it was gonna be the Seahawks, but. This is what we talked about. It was going to be a very, very low pick. This is conditional at the fifth. I'm assuming it's based on playing time.
0: Yeah, I don't know the conditions. I know yeah. that Baker's taking a $3.5 million pay cut, and the Panthers are only paying $5 million of that salary. Yeah.
3: I saw that the, uh, the Browns are taking $10 million of the money, are going to pay $10 million of the money. I, I my, my first take is how stupid are the Browns? How badly have the Browns played this whole situation? Not just Baker, but the Deshaun Watson thing as well. And they ruined any chance they had with Baker. Good for Baker. He's gonna have a legit chance to play and earn another contract.
0: And a team that wants to win. See wants been. to
3: win and in a division that's gonna be somewhat competitive. I mean, the Bucks are the Bucks because they have Brady, but Look, the wheels will fall off that bus eventually. And he has not played great the last two seasons, numbers wise, at times. He played better in 2021 than he did in 2020. But a lot of that is the defense has carried them. You have New Orleans with with uh, Jameis Winston playing quarterback. And you got the Falcons who were in full rebuild. So you've got a chance, if you're Carolina, to do something. And you've got a motivated coaching staff because they're all getting fired if they're bad. So why wouldn't you go ahead and make that deal? I guess you got a better way of keeping your keeping your job, right? Um, I think it's a decent spot for Baker. I hope that he has a good season. I hope he earns a contract, whether that's in Carolina or somewhere else. The big takeaways for me are how bad the Browns messed the whole thing up, because you look at what they got in return. And how little they got in return. I mean, we were we were saying it was going to be, you know, not a high pick. They were asking for a one just a month and a half ago, right? And we scoffed at that and laughed that shit off. We're like, no way. And now it's a five conditionally, and they had to take a bunch of them, but pay a bunch of the money. Right. It's it's more of an indictment on browns than anything else
0: the browns would have been better off begging for forgiveness and bringing back yes. Baker mayfield this year yes. than doing what they did
3: yes absolutely now i just want to see what the next progressive commercials are going to be like
0: right yeah uh he's got a new home in carolina and everything yeah. you know? i
3: don't but know if he'll that's... still do progressives were you know it's headquartered in Cleveland.
0: Um, so. Now you mentioned uh, with him going to this Carolina team, they all they do want to win. Their coach Matt Rule is on the hot seat. Ben McAdoo, I'm not high on as an OC, quite frankly. And you know Baker's gone through a lot of different offensive systems. Their receiving core not too great either. You do get Christian McCaffrey to play along with. Um, it's a better offensive line than he would have had in Seattle. It's not necessarily a recipe for success, but We've seen Baker kind of be in this position before when he was in Cleveland.
3: Yeah. I mean, he's going to a team that I think is equally talented. I mean, look at what Cleveland's lost in the last couple of years on the offensive side. Um, with all the receivers that have left, everything else they've done there. He's going to have an okay offensive line. You got a running game. That helps. And Panthers defense is a good defense. So – um, I think if you're looking at it for Baker, you probably went to a better situation going to Carolina to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, also, frankly, again, the easier division. If you go to Seattle, you're playing, you know, San Francisco, the Rams, and Arizona, who's going to be I mean, we think it's going to be good. So there's some things there to you know consider. I do think that in this case, I think it's a good deal for Baker. I think in the end, Baker's the winner here
0: um we'll end on this uh jimmy garoppolo is the last big quarterback remaining he's been on the market essentially two years now he's had surgery off surgery and he's still with the san francisco 49ers if they cut him before week one it will only cost them one million dollars but even with all that said what the hell are the niners doing how have they held on to jimmy this long
3: I think they're just trying to see, it's one of those things where the cost of or the, what you can get in return for a quarterback, this isn't that much right now. So maybe the 49ers are just going to see what they've got in Trey Lance in the, in, in training camp. Let's see if a team gets a quarterback hurt. And if so, maybe he's a little more valuable. He'd in Garoppolo in his case. I, you've also got, I mean, it's already worked into your salary cap for this year. So I guess they can take their time. I'm, you know, I'm of the saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So it's time for the 49ers to decide that Trey Lance is the guy. They've said that already. But if you do that, you've got to move on from Garoppolo. So I agree with what you're saying. you got to move on and get him out of here. I think they're just trying to find the best price for him. They couldn't yeah, get into the trap right now. On. Yeah, I mean, it, you're trying to get something. They still I mean, have can, time before they can cut him. I mean, they I guess another quarterback, quarterback,
0: uh, Jordan Love, has Green Bay just decided he's going to be their backup for two
3: more years? I think he's probably the backup for at least one more. Yeah. I think the bad thing on the Jordan Love thing is that they're going to come to a point, I think it's what, after next season, where he's off his rookie contract.
0: All right, he's got two more years left this year. Yeah.
3: And now. And they're not going to know what they got.
0: And they're not picking up a fifth-year option.
3: <laughs> no. I mean, why would you? You don't know what you got. I mean, yeah, I, I think the Packers made a huge mistake not trading Aaron Rodgers. Um, it, it freed up so many issues for them trading Rodgers, especially if they were going to trade Devontae Adams. I mean, they could have rebuilt quickly. Uh, it's because – just being good is not a guarantee of getting to the super bowl. And the Packers aren't that good. I mean, they're they're a top team, but do you really think they're a super bowl? I mean, a real high-end Super Bowl contender right now?
0: No, the only thing they have going for them is the NFC is so weak.
3: Yeah, and they're in a the weakest division in the NFC.
0: Right. They'll make the playoffs, but I don't know yeah. how much
3: of a threat they really are. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us really know.
0: Yeah. Bo, uh, you're going to stick around for our draft This yeah. week we are drafting gas station menu items It's going to be interesting We'll have a lot of fun as Bo sticks around for that Coming up next year on the Jones Board. So this week's draft, we are going to draft Things at gas stations I said menu items earlier, but really we're Expanding upon that, it doesn't have to be food necessarily And uh, Thomas Bridges is here with us as well as coach Bo. It has been a few weeks since we've all been together for a draft, but the gang's all here for this one. We had to have everybody in the room for this. Tom, uh, I'll start with you before we get into the draft itself. Uh, you were the only one out of us that has worked at a, a, uh, gas station. Uh, you worked at quick trip back in the day. Um, I guess, get, you know, quick trip doesn't even call themselves a gas station. They're a convenience store that sells gas is how they would tell you. Yeah, More
1: uh, than a gas station is their tagline.
0: Yes. So, Tom, uh, tell me, as, as the resident uh, service station expert around here, before we get into the draft itself, what makes for a good gas station? What are you looking for?
1: Oh, man. You know, I'm looking for clean bathrooms. That's number uh, one. Number one, <laughs> I really do think so. I mean, I go out of my works. way
0: to go to the quick trips, the KCs, the Bucky's all that just for the clean bath.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you get in a, you know, if you need to pee or if you gotta, you know, if you gotta sit down for a while, you
0: better hope that some bitch
1: is clean. You know, you don't want to pick. you don't want to pick up anything, you know, that you don't want or God, you know, Lord knows what kind of bacteria uh, is in some of those places. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, fast service. I, you know, I, this, this bothers me more than a lot of things because I'll go in and just working at Quick Trip for, I worked there for like two years. And then previously, like when I was a, a younger kid, like 15, 16, I worked at the convenience store by my house. There's nothing worse than a slow ass line where clearly the person does not know what they're doing and you're trying to get out of there. Uh, and then probably third and final um, i don't know i would probably say oh snack options drink options you know a, a good overall variety it's nothing worse than when you want a sugar-free red Bull and and the place you go into is out
0: yeah i mean for me ball what with- when it comes to these gas stations, you know, it's it's the Bucky's, Quick Trips, Casey's, Loves, um, you know, the, those gas stations, Wawa, that's on the East Coast, yeah, um, Pilot, uh, Pilot Flying J, like those are way above the rest. I mean, like, even if I, I don't know if you go this far, Paul, but if I'm like driving and I see two gas stations. The quick trip could even charge me a couple cents more on gas, but I'm willing to pay that a little bit more on gas, even in this economy,
3: <laughs> to yeah.
0: have a nice bathroom and get some good snacks and all that.
3: Yeah. So, I, I when I travel, I, it's all about the clean restroom. That is number one. I actually have a travel hack. You can both like this. You know, sometimes when you travel, you don't find the quick trip or a Bucky's. I've never really been to a Bucky's. But uh, Bucky's or a Wawa or something like that—you know, those corporate ones where they're really clean. If you don't see those, the hack is a McDonald's because yeah, balance bathrooms cool. are always clean.
1: That's yeah, that's pretty good. That's, and if they aren't, that. somebody
0: messed up, and they're gonna.
1: Yeah.
3: So I yeah, so that, that's my travel one, of my travel acts. But I, I'm like you, I do not like the dirty. If I think the place looks dirty. I'm not staying. I'm going to get gas and get out. I'm going to go find a better place to go use the restroom. Because if the place already looks like shit, I know it's going to be like shit in the bathroom. I'm not going <laughs> to. So, no, I'm only only clean bathrooms will be bespurred by my butt cheeks, plain and simple. Yes. So, that's a good point.
0: Um, last week, Bo had the first pick, I had the back to back. Now that we got three, uh, Tom, you'll get the first pick this week. I'll get the middle, and Bo will get the last pick of the first round, and uh, we'll rotate, you know, go in that order from there. So, Tom, uh, go ahead and uh, get us started with this draft with uh, the very first pick.
1: You know, I'm going to go with something that everybody likes, that everybody's had, that you – Almost everybody gets, as soon as they stop into a gas station, um, and it'll be ge- generic. It's not, I'm not going to call it the Big Q. I think I always thought that was a terrible name. Anyway, I hope Quick Trip people are listening. It's one of the most lame-ass names I've ever heard of, Big Q. No, give me the 32-ounce cold fountain drink.
0: And what, What's typically your go-to? What are you doing for that fountain drink?
1: You know what? I don't drink. The only re- the only time I really drink cold pop is uh, mixing it in with uh, usually whiskey, and so obviously I'm not doing that. Stopping at a gas station because obviously I'm probably driving. Uh, so my go to is the uh, the Quick Trip unsweet mango tea. Okay, from the fountain. That's my that's my go to if I'm getting a fountain drink. Every now and then you might catch me getting a Dr Pepper. That's very few and far between.
0: Fountain drinks are so much better than the bottle. You get that crushed ice and the styrofoam cup, and I think it's just fresher coming out of the fountain than it is in a bottle too. So
1: oh, I mean, yeah, fresh brewed, fresh brewed tea,
0: you know, almost what about every
1: 30 to 45 minutes. You can't beat it.
3: I I'll tell you where I'm at on the fountain drink thing. Okay. I check the ice first. What kind of ice do you have is important to me. Crushed like, ice the, is
0: what it's
1: got. Crushed
3: ice. Be. If you got crushed ice, I'm in. And, and my choice of drink is Dr Pepper. So, yeah.
1: Okay. I like I like both options for the quick. Quick Trip has kind of the cube, but it's still very thin. And then I I, I usually get their crushed, but uh, you know some places have those big huge cubes, and I don't I don't dig I don't like that. See if so I my, see that's
3: what I mean. If I see that, I go to the bottle, my, you know, not even a can.
0: So my pick, uh, second off the board, um, I'm going to go with a slushie. Like, at Quick Trip, it's the Rooster Booster for me. It's an energy drink and a slushie together. Uh, At 7-Eleven, it's the Slurpee. Uh, 7-Eleven day, no free ads, but that's coming up where you can get free uh, Slurpees here uh, in just a couple days from now. Um, Tyler's about
1: to go buy a kiddie pool and fill that (laughs) bitch up.
3: (laughs) Not bad. I can see Tom sitting in it too and just chilling.
0: Just <laughs> uh, but give me a good slushy, uh, especially this time of year, you know, how hot it is. Can't go wrong. There. I'll go with the slushy. Bo, you got back to back picks.
3: I'm just trying to picture Tom in some, in some real short, like, swim trunks in the kiddie pool with the slushy all over. <laughs> yeah. Just everywhere. All different flavors, too, because you know they're going to run out. <laughs> Just rolling around in it. <laughs> all right. Um, you know, I'm going to go. Uh, first of all, I'm going with a candy. I'm not a big candy guy, but I'm I'm going to go. I'll probably go candy back to back, actually. Uh, the first one is a Snickers bar. Okay. You need something quick. You need something easy. A Snickers is a great thing. You can get it in any convenience store, any gas station. Yeah. I'm going to go to Snickers bar.
0: Okay. Okay. So that way you're not like uh, Betty White, you know.
3: Yeah, you're not hungry. You're not hangry. You know, you don't think that Baker Mayfield's, you know, f- uh, uh, a future, you know, uh, you know, NFL MVP or something like that, you know. <laughs> you're having <a> Snickers, Tyler. <laughs> Tyler. Um, the next one for me, I get to go back to back here Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay. My favorite candy. Again, there's the only two things I really eat, but. I'm going with a couple of things of candy just to kind of – because I, I don't eat a lot of that stuff at home, but when I travel, sometimes you need a little jolt of sugar. Sometimes you want a little something. That works for me. And the cold drink would have been my number one. Like I'll, a fountain Dr. Pepper would have been my number one pick. So, yeah. Okay.
0: I like that. Pick. I like that pick. Um, for me, there's a couple options uh, that I really like here. Um but I'm going to go with a taquito. Um, you get that steak taquito at Quick Trip or 7 Eleven, either one.
1: You got to specify. You got to specify which one.
0: So, personally, well, we I'm,
1: didn't make Tom
3: specify which drink.
0: Right. He, he went generic there. He said 32 ounce fountain drink. Well, I'm you saying, know, some, some people don't eat meat or, you know, there's
3: There's but meatless, not meatless taquitos. What are you talking about? Yeah, there is. There's there's Are a vegan taquitos. A vegan oh yeah, taquitos? no. Quick, Quick Trip has the
1: cheesy pepper jack. That's good. if anyone
3: would know, it'd be Tom. I'm okay. I'm not going to question his integrity. You do, I'll,
1: I'll leave you to it. I'll leave you to
0: it. I'm Stay taking
1: a around. taquito. No, uh, that's I prefer yeah, that the works. steak
0: taquito. But I'm a going centrilical to get taquito. Centrilical uh centrilical food. <laughs> it's 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 so handy, like. It's not – you don't have to worry about it when you're driving. i taking a bite. Um, you can show up to a sporting event. You know, you got the high school game. Like, okay, I'll describe taquito, whatever. It's good for any occasion. Very easy. Uh, I like the taquito. Tom, you're on does, the spot.
1: Does that, does
0: that count the hot dog as well? Or are we calling all roller? No, no, no. items? No, just the taquitos.
1: Just the taquitos, he said. Well, in that case, Bo, you've, you've led me to the candy wonderland. You've led me to the candy land here. And one of my favorite candies of all time, uh, and it has to be this certain brand because the off brand's is not worth a damn, the Trolley Sour Gummy Worms.
3: Okay. Those, are,
1: uh, those are, you know, you want to talk about a sugary candy? Those cannot be beat. They match up well with a cold pop, too. You can't beat them. Um the um let's see the I guess I got back to back. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go with it since Jones went with the taquito, I'm gonna go with the generic just a a gas station pizza. Uh well, you know, I like I, I like Quick Trips and I like Casey's. <laughs> there's 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 some well, you know, you get some that oh, I've been to a gas station that had Matt, there's simple Simons in it. Which I didn't think was bad, so I'll go with the, uh, I'll go with the slice of pizza.
0: That Casey's pepperoni or the Casey's breakfast pizza. Tom introduced me. Where were you coming from? We We were were on on our way back from Kansas City. City. We went to a NASCAR race, and we were going back to Tulsa, and we stopped at a Casey's and got some breakfast pizza. I got that bacon breakfast pizza. It changed my life forever. uh, I owe that to you, Tom. Thank you.
1: I remember, I do remember, because it was a small little BS town. We stopped in on a detour, and I said, oh, Jones, you've never had it. you got to try it.
0: So my next pick, you guys know I'm a a coffee addict. I love coffee. Um, But when I go to gas stations, in particular, Quick Trip, KC's, I think it's a bargain, personally. Like, to me, it tastes good. And it's almost as good as any Starbucks drink. Give me a cappuccino. Like those cappuccinos at Quick Trip, Casey's, you know, get you that vanilla cappuccino. Doesn't matter if it's at breakfast or 11 o'clock at night. I mean, that cappuccino is a game changer, especially if you're on a long, long road trip. You need some caffeine, get that cappuccino, and that's not going to disappoint. Uh, I'm going to go with a cappuccino as my third pick. Oh, you got the back to back.
3: Okay, I'm going to review here a little bit. Um, Cappuccino, not a bad choice. I'm not a coffee guy, so I wouldn't pick that. On the gas station pizza, I will say that Casey's pizza cannot be beat. It is incredible. I like the sausage pizza myself there. Yeah, so I go there. But uh, tell you where I'm going to go here. I'm going to go now. I got to be specific on this because this is a hit or miss depending on where you go. The majority of gas stations, I would not buy this item. But at Quick Trip, I will eat a hot dog. Quick Trip hot dogs are actually really good. Now, I will not eat a hot dog from most gas stations. But Quick Trip, I will. You mean the Quick Trip hot dog?
0: You putting anything on it you just eating plane.
3: plain? Oh, a plain hot dog. Where are you from? <laughs> um, I throw mustard on my. I'm a mustard. You know, sometimes I'll put some other stuff on it. The nice thing at Quick Trip, they got a nice little fixings thing there, a little fixings bar. You can put a number of things on it, but uh, mustard's a must for me. And so I do that.
0: Okay. Good choice with oh, the hot dog okay. there. Um, ne- uh, I, got, I got two, right? Good, right? Yep. Okay.
3: The next one is something that's just weird for me. I like. I like getting honey roasted peanuts. Just your bag of peanuts. But I'm a honey roasted peanuts guy myself. So
1: I can dig it. I like I like some I like some salted cashews every now and then.
3: I like salted cashews. I keep those in my office here, but I don't like buy them on the road. I go honey roasted. I don't know. It's a weird thing for me. I get it, but something about you know, one of those little uh planters, you know, honey roasted peanuts for like a dollar fifty, boom, Time. Um, I'm, I'm down.
0: Okay. That's a good pick. Um, next one for me. Okay, here, here's here's a little story for you guys. We all grew up going to McDonald's and getting the ice cream cones, right? They were only, what, like 25 cents, 50 cents. It was great, great deal. But then, half the time, and still to this day, the ice cream machine was broken. Yeah. Well, then the gas stations like Quick Trip and others came in and saved the day, and their ice cream machines never break. Um, just that simple ice cream cone doesn't matter if it's vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, whatever. It only costs you like a dollar, dollar fifteen, or whatever. But that's money well spent. Good late night snack. Just give me a, a basic, basic ice cream cone there late at night. Tom, uh, to me, it, it feels like they saved the McDonald's ice cream cone at quick trip and these other gas stations.
1: Yeah, I think they did. And quick trip has a pretty solid one. And I think last summer, I can tell you they were like 69 cents of vanilla ice nice. cream cone. <laughs> right. You know, you know, you couldn't beat it. Uh, I like that big. All right, Tom, you're up back to back. I'm going to go just, uh, I'm, I'm going to get a little crazy here. Uh, I'm gonna cover all my bases. I got the cold fountain pop, I got the candy, and I got the food item. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with uh, just just the old traditional six pack of brew. Um, You know, you gotta go get my alcoholic option on. If I had to pick a six pack from a gas station that I'm gonna pick up, um, you know, probably gonna go ahead and get the six pack of Modelo. Um, so I guess you just, you grind me down for a six pack of beer. Uh, um, is that close?
0: well, that's that six pack of beer. I mean, we've all been there before where the liquor store is closed. You're not close to the grocery store getting beer at the gas station. It's not priority, but sometimes necessary.
3: Hey, it's cold too. Most of the time. So yeah, I, I don't have any problem with that pick. I like that pick.
0: Yeah, that's a good pick. I have yet to pick a candy at this point. I did take a sweet oh, with ice. Cream. I guess I have a, I have one more. I think
3: after that,
0: um,
1: after that, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get crazy here. I'm gonna go. I don't even care. Uh, you know, sometimes you you want something different, and you know, I'll be honest on the show. I I hit the old vape. Um, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it. Can't hit that uh, jewel anymore. Right. You know, I'll hit the jewel. I'll hit the jewel right now. Uh, live on the show. But <laughs> Do you buy those on
0: the black market.
1: No, black no, they market? still they no, they still have them. They still have them, and as soon as they get rid of them, I'll be done. But I'm not gonna go with the I'm not going with the jewel pods. I'm not going with the jewel pods. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get crazier. Uh I'm going with uh I'm going with the pack of black and Miles. <laughs> we all
0: were 17 at one point
1: would the wood tip black and mild I'm gonna <laughs> go with that i I would go with the swisher I could I almost went with the swishers you we know if I had wood, had a, if black I, and
3: miles and the swisher suites are really for folks yeah well you we know uh, what that's really for i don't know if that does but you can't really one. roll you
1: can't really roll up a black and mild you can but i if I had a dollar for every swisher suite or sti- what what the, the, you know, the, not nah, I don't call it the street term. I sound super white. Um, you know, you call it a stick. Let me get a stick. And, you know, usually it's the traditional Swisher suite. If I had a dollar for every Swisher or stick that I sold, I would be, it would be in the hundreds of thousands. I can guarantee you. <laughs> especially, especially my first stint in a convenience store. Uh, growing up when I was 15, 16. Yeah, I would have been – I would have had a lot of money if I had a dollar for every stick I ever sold. I believe that. So I'll, I'll go that, – that—that that's my turnaround pick. I'll go with the, a, uh, a pack of Black and Milds.
3: <laughs>
0: Black
1: and, Milds. I, I like- beer
3: and Beer and Black and Milds. We know where Tom is. We know oh, who Tom. I do know um, you you you're it. so honest about who you are. I yeah, love
1: it. you got i do like not going to lie. Both, both of y'all have smoked a black and mild. I don't oh, care I'm, I'm not denying
0: cares. that. I said I was 17 at one point. Yeah, I've smoked black and mild. I, of course.
1: Hell, I'm, it's been a couple of years. I might run down the quick trip after the show and give me a black and mild, just Tom, sit on my balcony and smoke it. Tom
3: <laughs> is winning. Tom is so far ahead right now.
0: He's beating oh. us both. Yeah, hell, He's
3: <laughs> killing us. But he's the
0: pro, though. I mean, I uh, have
3: zero chance of winning this thing, and I knew it going in.
0: Yeah. He he, he worked in this industry, though. I mean, yeah.
3: we're yeah, I got in. A
1: I
0: got one more pick coming around at the very end, and
1: I oh, got, you know I you got have
3: have a good one, too. You oh, know. it's going oh, to be good, good I'm one.
0: sure. All right. I feel like I got to make this pick before someone else does. Uh, I guess that's the point of a draft. Um, if, if we're going crazy now, I'm going to go crazy. Uh, Don't you, you say it. Give me the dirty magazines. I oh, mean, God. You know, whether you're at, I think they still sell them even at like 7-Eleven. Now, granted, I have never bought one myself. But, I mean, <laughs> this is iconic. When you think of like ratchety gas stations, what do you think of is those magazines that are, you know, covered up in the wrapper and the plastic and all that. That would be uh, my pick there, uh, both.
1: Do you have a... Do you have a certain brand you'd buy? (laughs) (laughs) What what do you think, Tom? The hustler? I mean, I think think if you're going to get one, you got to go, especially if you're going to buy one from a gas station, first time ever, I I think you probably have to go with the playboy. Just, it's this classic,
3: it's American. No, no. You know, you know, Tyler's Tyler's going off into some, like, this. he's going to go off with some, like, ratchety, you know, like very specific type of thing, you know. Yeah,
1: he'd, he'd get the penthouse
0: or something.
3: Yeah. I mean what would just, you buy Bo? I have no idea. I've been married oh. for way too
0: long. <laughs> That's a god <god-god> answer. <laughs> have you ever bought one before? He's
1: I'm sure old I enough. did when
3: I was young. I mean he's you know, old enough. He kid. probably
1: used to have a box under the bed with a couple
3: of them. No, so, you know what we used to do when I was young <laughs> was we had the um um the cable where you could if you couldn't see the channel but we'd be like all wavy, but if you paused it just right, you could see it. So you don't know about that life. That was the life we had in the 80s and the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. So we oh. have magazines. We had tele we had TV. Tom, and it was and the- we had Skinamax when I was in high school. So Tom,
0: have you ever bought one of those magazines?
1: Uh you know what? To be honest with you, I have not. I okay. never have. I would, so me, I would one of us I would pass. I would tell you. I would tell you if I did. I was
0: always too embarrassed.
2: I couldn't
3: tell you specifically that I have, but I'm sure when I was young, I did.
0: All right, Bo, give us your your back-to-back picks here.
3: Well, based on where you guys have taken this whole draft, (laughs) and I'm the one married guy here, this is not for my use, but this is what convenience stores are for. Why would you not put condoms on your list?
2: I
1: thought, I, I thought that was, was where Jones was going at first. And after that, I figured you'd pick up the pack of rubbers.
3: Well, I figured that was going to be your last pick if nothing left. I was trying to – No, I was going to – trust me, I
1: was, I was thinking about it.
3: Yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, yeah, I'm only really going there because I really don't know where I'm going. And I just kind of followed you guys <laughs> straight to the gutter on this. <laughs> I'll tell you my last pick, though. My last pick will be, you know, Tom had the six-pack of beer, but if you're old school, you went and just got the big beer. You know, the 20-ounce you put into the paper sack.
1: In the brown Brown paper sack. (laughs)
3: Yep, the brown paper
1: sack beer. Sack beer. When you're walking home. Single serving,
3: yeah. yeah. When you're walking home on a
1: hot day, walking home from the store on a hot day. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. For my final pick, everyone needs this. Everyone. No exceptions. We've all been there. Um, And we've all used this at a gas station for a number of different reasons. Um, I'm going to take the ATM. I need the money. Uh, (laughs) Now, the fees aren't great sometimes. You might end up with a bank that for your fees, but sometimes uh, you need cash. Wink, wink, for whatever reasons they may be. I'm taking the ATM as my final pick, Tom.
3: It's always cheaper at the uh, to go to the gas station than it is at the strip club.
0: <laughs> yeah, you knew where I was headed with that. <laughs> don't
3: use the ATM at the strip club.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right. Tom, what do you think of these last couple picks before your final pick? How this draft? is pretty
1: solid. I'm i I'm a big fan of the of the brown paper bag beer. Uh, <laughs> big, big fan. That's that's been me in the passenger seat several times. Um you can never beat that. And I I sold a lot of those. Uh, you know what I used to sell back growing up when I was like 15, 16 working at the hood gas station? Used to sell, and I've never I still this day I've never tried one because I, I know it's gonna be terrible. Uh, a lot of 20 ounce cans of steel reserve. You ever had a steel reserve? No. Oh man. It looks, it's, it, uh, it's different. I uh, sold a lot of hurricanes, a lot of steel reserves, a lot of Miller high Lifes. Uh, yeah, you can't, hell, even the Miller high life the 32 ounce can. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, that's a solid one. I like the brown paper bag pick.
3: I can remember as a boy, that was what, like, back when I was a kid, that's what, like your dad would go pick up on the way the Little League game, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can't, yeah, that's... You know, like man. Buttermaker on uh, Bad News Bears. <laughs> yeah. That's, All right,
0: so, uh, so what's your last pick, Tom?
3: So, I
1: can't believe anybody's, no, nobody's ever, nobody's picked this one up yet. And, you know, I was going to go out maybe with the banger, but... Um, this one is too good not to come out on top with, and it's just a a pack of gum. Nobody got, nobody took chewing gum, you know, so many different flavors you got, you know, I always go with the, with the Wrigley's double mint as my go-to. Uh, and every now and then I'll switch it up and get spearmint, but, uh, yeah, pack of, you know, good old pack of chewing gum. You can't beat it. That's to cover my black and mild breath.
0: So, to recap, here are the teams. Tom with the 32-ounce fountain drink, uh, trolley uh, sour gummy worms, uh, pizza, six-pack of beer, black and mild, and chewing gum. I ended up with a slushy, taquitos, cappuccino, ice cream, dirty magazines, and an ATM. Bo ended up with Snickers, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hot Dog, specifically from QT, Honey Roasted Peanuts, Condoms, and 20-ounce beer. Bo, uh, Tom started out hot. I think you and I rallied to a strong finish, though.
3: I think we did rally, but I think he got us here at the end. I think that the gum was a good one. Kind Especially of to past cover
0: it. for the black and mild?
3: Yeah, you know, I think that we missed out on gum and mints. and Yeah, I... You know, I might mean, have followed you into the gutter and when you guys went there, I had to go with you yeah,
1: so. you know leave it to me. that's usually how it goes. <laughs> I see my my draft is something I would get all in one all in one go that that's that is honestly probably something that I've bought before in that order.
3: <laughs> I Let's can see you too. walking out with that in one spot I could I mean I'm sure
1: they got me on camera several times with that exact order.
3: <laughs> like I couldn't see Tyler and I is one order of that. No, I couldn't see that.
1: Um Tyler takes the whole ATM with him. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I gotta in say, we guys- get diabetes and- <laughs> I don't know if that'd be no,
1: good yeah, he had to he said dirty magazine, so he had to go to the ATM and pay in
0: cash so it didn't show <laughs> up on his card. <laughs> I gotta say though, guys, I thought this draft turned out pretty good though. I thought we all did a, a pretty Fascinating job. We got creative. Of those, the, the undrafted free agents, they come to mind. I I was going to draft this, but then once we took that turn, that pivot, there was no way I was going to draft it. Newspapers. Um,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: Especially like, you know, in commemorative issues. You know, the bigger ones, where do you go to for them? A gas station. Um, that was one that came to mind. Um, others... Other items,
1: uh, drinks,
0: a pretzel, uh, Skittles. Another one for me recently, I've been getting this at gas stations lately. I didn't pick it, but it's been a new thing for me. Um, I have been, I kid you not, guys, buying like cheddar cheese, like on a stick and just eating cheddar cheese. Very great travel snack. Um, that's been one for me. I didn't draft it, but it has been one I've bought recently. What What about you guys? What are some of the undrafted free agents that we missed on?
1: Uh, energy drinks. I was through energy drink, drinks for sure. Beef jerky, even though, like you said, in this economy, damn, beef jerky's you know barely higher than the cost of gas right now. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I feel like I feel like a sinner because I didn't say this one as a as a quick trip veteran. Uh, the donut. Like I was
3: president. about to say
1: donuts. Is what I was about to
3: say. Yeah,
1: yeah, but donuts I was my next think one. About it. I don't. Every now and then, it's been a while since I had a QT donut, but you know, especially a lot of these gas stations have the Krispy Kreams delivered in. It's not as good as you get at the actual location, but
3: yeah.
1: Um, other than that, you know, I was gonna go. I thought about early on when Bo was taking candy. Peanut M Ms are one of my favorites.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, you can get. Like milkshakes at the gas station, but Jones took the
3: ice cream cone. Yeah. Um, What about like Doritos? I'm a Dorito guy myself, but like chips, chips, chips. Yeah.
0: Sandwiches, breakfast sandwiches, like a sausage biscuit or
1: something. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm I'm a big square wrap fan from Quick Trip.
0: Um, I'll say this much, Bo. Of all the drafts we've had, I think. This was the best performance by any individual. Tom pulled off a Jimmy Johnson-esque draft <laughs> of
3: yeah.
0: what Jimmy yeah. Johnson did in the nineties with the Cowboys. This was the performance Tom put together. It did yeah, not disappoint.
3: This is like the Herschel Walker trade. He killed us. I mean, it was like the great trade robbery year. Um <laughs> Tom Dominated this draft. Working in no the game. Which is great because I'm tired of winning every week. So <laughs> I'm glad that Tom won this one. I think Tyler, I think Tom's won twice. I've won all the rest. So, you know, even when I wasn't there, I beat Tyler. So, oh uh,
0: please, <laughs> I, I won last week the ESPN draft. Although we both did good, I'll say that.
3: you yeah, see, I think last week was a toss up. Okay, i like to have seen us do last week's with Tom. That would have been good.
0: I think the yeah. beer draft with Tom would have been
1: good too. Oh man, I I remember seeing that. I'm like, damn, I missed that one. Yeah, Tom might
3: have dominated that one, too.
0: And, and Tom, you thought Bo did bad on that beer draft.
1: But not as good as you. I, I, I like to think that you've been – you you got you were around more, I think. I mean, you are lucky to have, have been kind of raised. It's, it's like when I first started drinking beer, the craft beer scene wasn't too big yet. When you started drinking beer, the craft beer scene was full-blown. I remember a time before craft beer – and then Bo grew up on the non-craft beer scene. Yeah. When yeah. Bo, Bo's drinking days were, or the domestic, for sure, Milwaukee's best.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Natty Light.
1: Uh, uh, hey, I've drank
3: many a Bush and Bush Light in my life. Yeah. I've had many of Natty Lights in my life. Um, man, I've, I've gone for a lot of really shitty beers just to get drunk on a, on a Friday or Saturday night when I was young. Uh, right, there was
1: there was no uh boulevard back in the in the day. Well, maybe, no. boulevard, but I don't uh,
3: think I had a boulevard beer so I was well into my twenties.
0: They uh they didn't even launch till the eighties. So
3: yeah, I want to say I don't think I had a boulevard beer. I my late twenties probably.
0: Yeah, well, Bo, we got to go. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. When you join us yeah. each week, we'll uh catch up with you. Next week as uh, we'll do football fix in the draft again, but uh, have Absolutely. a good week. We'll uh, see you. you on the other side.
3: Thank you, Tom. Hey, Tom, it's always fun. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good, but We'll see you. Thank you, Thank you guys.
0: A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's talk about NBA news. Uh, let's start with uh, Kevin Durant demanding a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. And the reports are out there that Kevin Durant wants to play with three all-stars. Uh, Kevin, do you know how trades work? Um, it's unlikely – that a team could get what it takes for Kevin Durant and still have three all-stars including Kevin Durant uh, on that front you know the, the there's not a whole lot of options as is for a straight up trade when it comes to assets i think toronto might be the only team that can do that it's going to take a three or four way trade and then you look at the other things that are involved here kevin durant a, a star of his magnitude has never been traded before. This will be assuming it's, gets traded the biggest trade in NBA history, even with all LeBron's moves over the years, none of it was a trade. Um, so with that said, you know, I, I see why Kevin Durant wants out. I get, I, I, I get why he does this, this Brooklyn thing has, been such a debacle this is the worst super team experiment of all time and that's not hyperbole that's the truth the way things went with Kyrie James Harden not being happy coming in and out Ben Simmons has never played a game for the Nets Kevin Durant hasn't been healthy it has been a disaster how things have gone down I get why he wants out but this is the weakest superstar in the league and he wants to trade and I'm not surprised And the truth of the matter is that Kevin Durant tried to do a super team on his own. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't be that guy. Could not be the number one option. And wherever Kevin Durant goes, if he wants to win a title while still playing at an elite level, he can't be the leader of your franchise. He could be the best player, but he can't be the leader of that franchise. He's got to have a Steph Curry along his side. The D Wade type figure that like, LeBron had in Miami, something like that here. Um, Tom, I know that Durant wants out, but I don't know if this happens anytime soon. Granted, I say this, just watch trade goes down tomorrow or something, but this is so complicated and what it would take to trade for Kevin Durant and everything that, that goes with that. it it's going to be a while. I think, I I don't think this is an immediate move here. Kevin Rant might want out, but he might be waiting a a bit for something to go down.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And hell, I mean, the nets are even having trouble trying to get rid of Kyrie. Uh, It seems like he might end up on the Lakers. Um, And that's, I think why, you know, Deandre Aiden. there's been no offer sheets for Deandre Aiden because only two teams in the Spurs and the, Pacers can offer him. So I think those teams are standing pat to be a part of this big deal um, to get Kevin Durant. There's going to be a lot of picks involved if so. I and mean, Kevin Durant still has like four years on his contract. Um, you he know? started a new deal. Right. And so, I mean, essentially he's screwed um, because I don't, I don't think anybody's going to pay the asking price. I mean, man, Kevin Durant, while wow, he's still one of the best players in the NBA when healthy um man's 34 by the time that contract's up he'll be 38 and no telling what other injuries may happen or he's just a liability to one out again you know now if you're a Rockets fan you're sitting there salivating hoping that 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 some way or another Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are traded away from the Nets because they will immediately go bottom tier and the Rockets own their first round picks and swaps uh for seems like a long time I mean they're getting they're getting the hole that Boston got and maybe even better if KD and Kyrie leave
0: is there Um, any resolve here you think is there any going back can Brooklyn do anything to salvage this to keep Durant happy to get him to change his mind get Kyrie Irving a new contract or is this the end-all be-all? Is, is something going to get done? Have we seen the last of Kevin Durant in, in Annette's uniform, you think?
1: Yeah, well, you would want to say so because you would think a deal would get done uh, by the time the season started, but it might not. I mean, you know, he's obligated to play out his contract. I, I think he still would. I don't think Katie's the type of guy that would sit out. Um, I, I might be wrong, though. Uh, I don't think he would, but um, I'm seeing stuff on Twitter about there's players and maybe ex coaches that have tried to reach out to him. Um, and from what it sounds like, KD's gone dark. Um, so there's kind of been no reports from KD in terms of what's gonna happen or what he wants to happen. Uh, you know, obviously he wanted to go to the Suns, but the Suns would have to give up Devin Booker. He just signed a new deal. I don't think that's going to happen and to be honest i think the suns would be somewhat foolish to do that cuz i think they'd probably have to give up devin booker and I, maybe i don't know if i don't know Joan. I, I don't know if the suns could just directly swap booker for for kd uh, i don't i don't and, and if i'm the suns probably wouldn't do that devin booker is probably what 26 kevin duran is 34 right um You know, the Suns have
0: not the Kevin Durant from four years ago. That was 28 years old and right in the middle of his prime. This is a Kevin Durant that is one of the top 15 players of all time and a first ballot Hall of Famer, but has dealt with a lot of injuries. And in all likelihood, we've already seen the best of Kevin Durant, more than likely.
1: Right. And then, you know, if you want to talk about the Suns even more, that they have, have, you know, paid chris paul all that money and while it's somewhat paid off for them i don't think they want to pair an aging chris paul and an aging kevin durant together that doesn't seem like a very long you know it's not good for longevity i don't i don't know what we're going to see out of that it'll be interesting to see i do think Kyrie ends up on the lakers i think westbrook goes to the spurs and a salary dump of picks um and then from then on, I, I think that domino has to fall with Kyrie before anything gets done with Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah. Uh, what about Donovan Mitchell? Uh, he's there with the Jazz, and you see uh, Rudy Gobert end up with the Minnesota Timberwolves and that deal. And that marriage was due to break up for a long time, right? I mean, that was an overdue divorce really since COVID, right? When Rudy Gobert started COVID, um, that was the beginning of the end. And now Gobert goes to Minnesota. You pair him with cat up there. um, That's old school. I mean, 20 years ago they dominate, right? Those two inside. I don't know if that works in today's NBA.
1: I think it will. I think I'm, I'm excited for the wolves as and. Well, excited just because my team sucks, and I I would almost put some money down. Uh, you got Gobert, who's big, defensive-minded center, uh, can rebound. Like I said, good down low. And then you have you have Carl Anthony Towns, who does not like to play defense. Who is uh, who is just not. I mean, essentially move Cap from the four or from the five to the four, and he's a stretch big, uh, and he'll be able to shoot. I expect a lot more shooting from. Carl Anthony Towns this year, and I, I expect some 50-point games from him. Uh, then you pair him up with, with Anthony Edwards and, and D'Angelo Russell, uh, that's a solid four um, right there. I, I like what the Wolves have got going. I think they'll be okay this year, and I, I, would, I would expect them, Memphis, and Warriors to be the top three in the West.
0: The Atlanta Hawks found a running mate for Trey Young. They go with a uh, Murray from the Spurs. Uh, Murray's been an All-Star guard. You pair him up with uh, with Trey Young there. What do you think of that combination? Can can these two coexist in that backcourt?
1: You know, I don't know. I think the idea is to get Trey Young to move off the ball. Uh, I think that was their idea there. Um, and I I think it'll be an all right pairing. You know, the Spurs. I think I think more information coming out on the Spurs and Murray. I think it was more of a mutual decision. And I think, I think that DeJounte Murray uh, didn't force him his way out, but I think he asked the Spurs what their plans were, and they didn't really have an answer. And, you know, I think Murray wanted to win and move on. Him and his cryptic tweets, as a Spurs fan watching those, I'll be glad to not see any more of those um, determine my fandom. But, um, you know, best of luck to him. I think it's, an, it's a very interesting experiment. I'm excited to see, you know, I know my Spurs aren't going to be able to do anything this year for the coming years. So I'll probably be watching more other teams and see how these little experiments work. I, it's very interesting. I think it either, I think it either works really well or I think it's an absolute
2: flop.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, Tom, any other big moves that you see happening besides what we're waiting for with Duran and Kyrie Irving in that situation. What's, uh, what, what do you think's on top of any other potential big moves, whether that be trades or free agency, either one,
1: you know, I'm very interested to see what happens with Deandre. Aiden. I don't think he's going back to Phoenix. Uh, I think he's already burned bridges there with Monty Williams. Um, you know, there's reports of him going to the Spurs. The Spurs don't need to spend that money on him. Um, you know, I think the Spurs are waiting for the salary done for Russell Westbrook to get picks. And the other, only other team that I think could afford Aiden right now at the price that he's wanting would be the Indiana Pacers. Um, not sure that's the best fit for Aiden either because I don't think he wants to go to necessarily a rebuilding team. Um, so it's that I'm, I'm really watching Aiden, what happens with Aiden at this point is his options are very limited. You also look at Colin Sexton um, Cavs guard who is, you know, his, his market has kind of flattened out with everybody kind of spending the money already. What is going to happen with Colin Sexton? There was at first rumors that he was going to go to Dallas. Um, you know, and I don't think he's going back to Cleveland. Those two pieces on the table between Deandre Ayton and Colin Sexton, uh, will be very interesting to watch and, and probably the next week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it will be. It will be interesting to watch. Real quick on the Summer League uh, as it gets going. We haven't seen the Vegas Summer League start yet, but we are seeing uh, the California and the Salt Lake Summer League, and it appears to be the biggest story so far is Chet Holmgren. And after that great debut that he had, FanDuel has moved him up to be the odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year at this point. Uh, He was terrific in uh, his debut with over 20 points and six blocks, and then in his the second game, his bad night, if you want to call it that, uh, he still had a double-double, 11 points and 11 rebounds. Not trying to read too much into, you know, summer league stats, but nonetheless, Chet looks great. Josh Giddies looks solid in those games. Uh, we know about SGA. Tom, um, what do you think of the Thunder's pieces? Uh, are they of the, of the bottom tier? of the teams that have been in tank mode, the Rockets, the Thunder, I guess you can throw in the Spurs in that mix, the Magic, are the Thunder the best suited uh, for their future going forward? If you had to say right now, of all of that very bottom tier of the league, who has the brightest future right now, you think?
1: You know, what? the way Chet's played, granted, it's two games, it's summer league, he looks like he's been aggressive um, in the highlights that I've watched. Uh, he looks good. Uh, you know, I think the Thunder are still waiting around for Poku to come on um, and, and play well, and I think he has a lot of potential. You you have SGA if he can stay healthy and giddy. Uh, you know, what I mean, the Thunder and, you know, Jalen Williams, the Arkansas Jalen Williams played really well the other night. Um, you know, you, you pair all that up, maybe lower expectations, uh, you know, well, depending on depending on who you talk to, lower expectations. I think some people are getting maybe too hyped on Chet um, coming out of the gate. Uh, but I mean, the Thunders still have all these picks, right? Uh, I mean, they're you know if you can already right. be somewhat set with the with the guys you have now are already starting to make that leap, uh, then you're really going to be set with all the other picks. So. Right, oh, it'll be, and it'll those be picks don't necessarily
0: even mean draft picks. You you have draft capital to <laughs> trade off for another player or something.
1: So whatever, yeah, whatever piece you see fit, whether that be a, a, an already established player or a prospect, or yeah, I mean they're they're pretty set right now. Uh, I, I think you know I don't think they're making the playoffs next year or anything. Um, but I, you know, maybe if everyone stays healthy and they can gel well together. Maybe the Thunder are looking on the outside end of a playing game. Uh, I don't think that's too bold to say.
0: No, and I think too with this Thunder situation, you know, in regards to Chet, I I didn't like the the pick of Chet, um, and I don't think you did either. You know, we we had some you know issues with picking a long, skinny white guy and his athletic build. But the thing with Chet, it's never been the talent. That's not been the issue. Um, Everyone knows Chet Holmgren can light it up and that he's a hell of a shooter and a great player. The the talent's there. It's if his body can hold up or not. And that, I don't know. That remains to be seen. You know, I think for Thunder fans, if you're looking for a sign of optimism, uh, something to point to, another Thunder great, Kevin Durant came into the league as a very skinny, long guy. And, you know, he's dealt with some injuries, no question about it throughout his career, but he's played through those and he's won championships and MVP awards and all that. So I'm not saying that Chet Holmgren is Kevin Durant, but there's some similarities to his game, the Dirk's game, the Porzingis. I mean, I, I, I think if you're looking for that optimism of, you know, Can a skinny guy, tall guy work like that? Kevin Durant's your example of it. But he's still got to put on weight of some sorts. You know, I look at his time, although he was only at Gonzaga a year, I mean, what the hell was Mark Few doing with with Chet Holmgren there? They ran the offense through that mustache, weird-looking Drew Timmy, and instead of Chet Holmgren, which makes no sense to me, and they didn't get Chet Holmgren in the strength and conditioning, get him buffed up and worked out to me. Those things just didn't add up. Uh, Mark Few a great coach, but clearly he didn't make the most of his time with Chet Holmgren there. At Gonzaga.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that, uh, there'll be a lot of conditioning, a lot of weight room for Chet on the docket. I think he knows that, um, you know, one, Tweet that I saw that was pretty funny. I was, it was just like it said, like wait till the Thunder play the Bucks, and I can only imagine Chet Holmgren trying to defend Giannis in the paint uh, right now because that would be well. I mean, and that's another great example too. If you want to talk about you know long skinny guys coming into the league, you see pictures of Giannis Antetokounmpo when he first got in the league. That's a long skinny now guy he's too. Yeah, and now yeah, he's jacked so. I think the potential is, is there for Chet. Uh, you know, he can, he's, he can shoot. Um, I mean, he's, he's already got a highlight on the reel that was is, is very Dirk Nowinski. Um, so, you know, even if, even if it turns out that he's not some big huge physical presence down low, uh, if your ceiling is Dirk Nowinski, I I think if you're the Thunder, you're pretty happy.
0: Yeah, I think so. So, there you go. That is our uh, NBA breakdown this week. A look around the NBA, the association. Before we go, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges takes us somewhere ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to do this time?
1: Jones, we've been going to the New York Post here of late. And this is coming from a couple, I believe, from England, who have kind of went viral on TikTok here recently. And not for necessarily the best reasons. An article from New York Post reads, I'm married to a wheelchair user. Stop asking questions about our sex life. Article reads, a man whose wife, who has, or a man whose wife has a disability has revealed the most absurd questions people continually ask him, including if he has a thing for, for people in wheelchairs. Complete strangers insist on asking John and Jade Reynolds crying questions, both online and in real life, about the most intimate details of their relationship. Jade, 32, was diagnosed with acute transverse myelitis of her spinal cord when she was 12 years old. Acute transverse myelitis is a very rare condition, and Jade was told she had more chance of winning the lotto than getting this. Meanwhile, the happily married young wife from preston Lancashire, in England said she is regularly asked about whether she can have kids, even though she's already a mother of two. She also admitted a stranger once asked to touch her leg to see if she could feel it. John, 33, her husband, listed to the common questions he asked about his wife in a video on TikTok, including whether they can have sex and whether she can be a good mom. The now viral clip has racked up 4.7 million views as of Monday afternoon, so... It's being Wednesday evening, I'm sure it's a lot more by this point. Um, let's see if I can watch the video. I personally, be honestly, don't have TikTok, but I can see this video. One of the questions, can you have sex? Another question, can she actually be a good mom, though? Let's see. Oh, another, can you guys have sex? And do you have a disabled thing for women? Um, so the couple followed it up with another TikTok with Jade's version of what she's asked as a wheelchair user examples include, can I have a go in your chair? You're too pretty to be in a wheelchair and can you have kids? The follow-up TikTok now has 374,000 views Uh, on the video about questions I get asked the vast majority of people were like, oh my gosh, that's outrageous but there are probably 1 or 2% who still wanted to know the answers, John a youth pastor, told Kennedy News. He said he intended for the viral videos to be lighthearted and to shed light on questions interabled couples receive regularly. A lot of people still feel entitled to no answers to these questions, he said. The concern is that the, some of the questions can be a bit perversive and fetish, fetishize us. It's strange. It's like, why would you ask that? Why would you ask questions about our sex life? John pointed out the questions highlighted in the videos were just the most outrageous ones they got. I think people are just intrigued by anything that's different, he added. It's not so much that we're offended, but if we were both able-bodied, we wouldn't get asked that. They're asking if a person in a wheelchair can be a good mom. They obviously don't know about a lot of people in a wheelchair, as John said. You just feel a little sorry for people who ask those questions. John joked that the videos are a bit of an eye roll and to be taken with a pinch of salt. However, the questions people ask Jade sometimes turn into awkward personal encounters. I've met people, and within the first two minutes of meeting me, they wanted to know everything about my disability, she said. I think most disabled people can relate to that. Jade clarified that she doesn't mind talking about her disability, but people who don't have a close relationship with her tend to ask very invasive questions. If I'm having a bad day, these questions can get me quite frustrated. If I'm having a good day, I can just laugh it off, she said. Jade, who has been in a wheelchair user for 20 years, has gotten better at drawing boundaries with people she's, as she's gotten older. I met somebody at a community event who was quite intrigued by my situation and said for me to close my eyes for a second, she shared. He couldn't understand how I couldn't feel my legs and wanted to test it. I said, I don't know you. I'm not going to close my eyes and let you touch my legs. Jade admitted- Weird. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Jade admitted she believes a lot of questions stem from ignorance rather than malice because there isn't a lot of representation of disabled people in society. So when people come across disabled people, they've got loads of questions. She acknowledged that sometimes people project their insecurities onto her, especially when it comes to a relationship. People will say to her, if I was in a wheelchair, I'd be worried that my partner would leave me. I do know of other wheelchair users have been asked, are you worried your partner will leave you? Thankfully, I haven't been asked that, she said. But there is a warped view of interabled relationship where it's seen that John is almost doing me a favor. Um, She also finds people project their fears and other insecurities on her. That can be quite frustrating. Uh, when strangers say, if I was you, I don't think I'd want to live. It's very shocking, but I don't think people who say that realize how bad it sounds. Um, Jones, this article keeps going on. This is quite long article, to be honest. Um, but it does bring up some good questions. On, I, I do think people um, just freely think they can ask about other people's private lives when they're different than others.
2: I personally
1: now don't get me wrong. If I seen this couple out on the street, or knew about this couple, and maybe like a social circle, I would definitely be wondering. I'll be honest. I'll be like, dang. All right, how do they, you know? Are they banging? Like, how do they get the job? You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm really like, in my mind, I'm like, well, man, how do they get the job done? You know, uh, you know, you see a guy in a wheelchair, you know, think, man, does, does this guy feel anything down there? Or how does that work? Um. I definitely would not be asking them in person, though. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's COVID and being shut in for so long that people just started getting bold. Um, but it's it's kind of a you know you can think all you want or like question to yourself. Um, you know, there's even an "R" no stupid questions on Reddit that you could probably ask that, and there would be some disabled person probably willing to answer your questions. But to go up and invade these people's private lives and ask these personal questions and put them on the spot. I think that's the Tom Fuller of this year.
0: Right. It's the ridiculousness of it because here's what I point to. I agree with you, Tom, 110%. You know, it's okay. You know, we, we all want to be treated equal. Right. And you know, if I'm not going to go up to somebody, I don't know. Um, and ask them, you know, about their sex life. You know, like I say,
1: how the hell do you have these two kids?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, or uh, you guys don't have any kids. You're not, you're not banging. You know, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna ask that. Um, you know, to compare to somebody that you was know, in a wheelchair. You know, asking them about that. It, it's wanting that same treatment. It's, it's, it's the idea of that you want to you you want to be treated the same way of, you know, the the respect issue of sorts that you're looking for to be treated the same way that people aren't focused in on your disability and use that as an excuse. That's what I look at.
1: I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like I don't, you know, some people are, you know, maybe I'm not the boldest person, but, uh, you know, it's some of these times it's like, are people serious? Like, I think if people could hear themselves, uh, you know, they would be like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I don't know how many of these people didn't get like a, you know, like a lesson in being around others, or I don't know what the term for it would be, you know, being in a social atmosphere, like, how can you not, you know, how would you go up to someone like that and say that? And, and, you know, I think, I think the lady in the article who's been affected by this I think she, uh, she she's kind of rolling with the punches so to speak I think because you know what you know I guess she could be rude about it and be
0: you know lash out at them but for whatever reason Tom our society has this idea that if somebody is different that gives us a license to treat them different like how many times do we hear about women getting asked if they're pregnant? you know no no woman wants to be asked that question you know and especially if they're not pregnant either you know if they're just overweight or something um just because somebody has something different about them does not give you a license to treat that person a- as if they don't deserve respect
1: yeah i mean yeah it's 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 a it's a pretty crazy i think i mean it's pretty wild to think that that someone could go and like ask that. Like I said, it would be okay, like just to wonder in your mind, uh, or you know, maybe you'd ask a friend out, you know, talking, but to be super direct with someone, I, I think it's it, it baffles me honestly because I'm thinking, like, oh, I would, you know, I would never say or do that. Like I said, I think she's rolling with the punches though. I think she, she said in that article, she doesn't think people do it out of malice but more so of like ignorance. But it's just like, man, did your mom or dad not teach you to be more respectful and not be such a little nosy ass?
0: And and by the way too, of the question, can disabled people bang, smash? Yes, they can. Gotta get a little creative or something, but yeah, of course they can do that.
1: Are you uh, saying you got experience? No, I don't. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <Do> you? <laughs> that was an alley loop You threw that loop to me right there. I did I could not. That was too I easy. Do you? I could No, I I don't. I'm not opposed to it.
0: We're not discriminating against it either. No.
1: No. Um, I you know in, in my mind I might be like, all right, how do y'all how do y'all do this? You know, it, guys, I'm I'm gonna stop right there. I would never ask them. I would never ask anybody, to be honest, I would never ask a, a, an able bodied stranger, hey, uh, listen, how do you like to get down? You like it on the bed? You like it on the floor? Are you more of kind of like a once a month in a hotel type place without the kids around? Or, you know,
0: what's your you favorite like number?
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of like grig eggs and ham. You like it on a train? Do you like it in a car? Do you like it over here? Do you like it over there? Do you I'm like it gonna...
0: between 68 and 70
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna you know, or, I'm not gonna for another one,
0: to ask. Tom. What's your favorite religion?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. You just you, you know, you did some of the some of the things that you you don't ask, you know, you don't talk about or you that's the Tom Fuller whole deal. Like who's asking this? Yeah. You know, I wonder now sure if you're at a party, maybe there's somebody that would be like drunk asking. And then the next morning they wake up and they're like, damn, I feel like an asshole for asking that or for, you know, for bringing that up. But it's just like, golly, like, yeah. Like, I don't think under any circumstances I would ever ask anybody about that. Now, and I can say, unless they just, it just got one of those weird combos where everyone was talking about it and they just so high and offer up information. Yeah. Um, and maybe they
0: bring it up or something. Who knows? So- right.
1: I would never. Personally, ask anybody able-bodied or not, right? Uh, about that, yeah.
0: On that note, we'll go. Uh, big thanks to Tim Brando, Coach Bo, for stopping by as well as Thomas Bridges, you the listener as well for joining us. We'll see you back here next week, as always. Subscribe to the show; new episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. And make sure to follow us on social media: Facebook.com/slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com/slash studio soapbox twitter at tyler jones live at thomas underscore bridges at studio underscore soapbox instagram jones underscore report tyler jones live it's thomas you can find us there and we will back be back here next week for thomas bridges Paul connor tim brando our entire crew, of tyler jones thanks so long it's been another day from jones but we'll see you next week